Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first of some interseason goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stogden. Hello, friends. Oh, hi, hey, Matt, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right, I'm all right. Good. Are you, are you excited for some interseason fun over the next few weeks? Oh, wait, I've got a better one. Oh. Poke. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, go. that's good. I think you should leave that all in. That was, that was very I'm good. going to. I'm going all yeah. fresh. <laughs> Into season, baby. It's loosey goosey. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, more of this to look. If this is your first time hearing an interseason episode, more <laughs> of this to look forward to, listeners. <laughs> and of course, joining Matt and I, also as always, it's Tim Matum. You better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. Nice. nice. That's just him threatening us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tim now owns the Sequelizers company, so he's, <laughs> he's ousted me and Matt as other, yep. as it persons of significant control, or whatever the phrase is, <laughs> that thing. Because technically we're a company, which is still weird to me. Um, I need to sort our taxes out soon. That's going to be fun. And of course, before we get into discussing the social network and its potential sequels, Gotta give a shout out to some patrons because you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and support us on various different tiers ranging from the low whether you want to get ad free and early access or you want to get a shout out on the show get to pick your own episode like some people in this list have done you get to vote on episodes you get bonus content extra episodes and outtakes and discount on merch and exclusive merch there's loads of stuff you can find it all on patreon.com slash sequelizers and uh, there's a certain select few of the executive producers who are at the highest of tiers on patreon and if you've heard the episodes before you probably know these gentlemen from season seven they're still here in the interseason episodes and in fact some of them have picked some interseason episodes as well which we'll certainly get to later on but before that they are mr mike salvia Jonathan Firth Clark, Tyler Rogers, Stuart Main, Andy Steen, and Xenos. Thank you very much for your support. We really, really appreciate you guys going above and beyond. And, uh, you know, it's really tough times for everybody financially at this point. And we really appreciate you guys being able to support us. You make this show free for everyone else and uh, make us able to expand and and do more episodes and do more pitches and everything like that so we thank you so much for your support and uh let's talk about social network shall we this is another installation another installment of sequels we'd like to see and we've done we've done a few before we've done some dread we've done some hellboy we've done bits and pieces we're going in a very very different direction and I remember when I think it was Matt that suggested it. We were like coming up with the ideas of like, what are we going to do next for our sequels? We want to see ongoing series for the interseason stuff. Like we kind of done a big sci-fi thing. We done a big like you know big fantasy horror kind of thing. And Matt was like, hey, how about we do um, how about the Social Network? And I was like, that would never occur to me in a million years <laughs> to do a sequel to the Social Network. But fuck me, why not? Let's give it a go. So. Ladies and gentlemen, 
if you're new to the show, the structure of this episode, we're going to talk about the original film, the 2010 Social Network film, why it's good, why it deserves a sequel, and then the three of us are going to come up with like a mini pitch. You don't expect the full thing you get <laughs> from the main episodes, but some it's, ideas. It's a brainstorming some, workshop. It's a brainstorming, kind of, yeah. casting kind of ideas, like taking it a few different directions. See what we're going to do. And uh, the three of us will basically come up with some ideas and bounce them off each other. And we'll have some fun talking about some great movies because mm-hmm. we don't have to talk about bad movies all the time <laughs> in the interseason. <laughs> it's lovely. So I guess I'll start off with when I first saw The Social Network, and I think I saw it in the cinema, if I remember correctly, because I, un- I was at university at the time, and that was like my peak. I think I saw more films during those like three years I lived in Nottingham than I did the previous however many <laughs> years I lived in Norfolk, because obviously I was a teenager back then, and as soon as I turned 18, moved out, all that kind of stuff, there was a cinema very close to where I lived and there's a 24-hour bus service and I could just go whenever I want and go see whatever I want, basically. Um, and yeah, I went and saw it in the cinema and I remember having no expectations going in because I wasn't very, really, like, dialed into, you know, critics or reviews or anything like that at the time. I had no idea what to expect and I absolutely fucking loved it. I thought it was really, really well done and way better and way more interesting than I expected. Like... The Facebook movie. It's a fucking <laughs> yeah, Facebook classic. movie. What the hell does that mean? And I assume a lot of people, probably around about the same sort of time, went in with similar expectations to a, what, 19, 20 year old Jack. And yeah, I was absolutely blown away with the performances, the direction, the, the, how they brought seemingly like interesting characters out of a bunch of tech bros and nerds. Mm hmm. And yeah, it was really compelling and interesting and stuff. And now you said like, yeah, let's do a sequel. I'll be like, that's an interesting idea. Let's go with that. So I'm I'm excited to hear mm-hmm. what we uh, what we talk about. Um, Tim, what was your introduction to the Social Network? So I can I think I'm I'm ninety percent sure I saw it in the cinema. Um, and I had quite high expectations because mm. I had watched a fair amount of Fincher at that point. And I can remember very distinctly the trailer dropping uh, for The Social Network. And it was one of those, it's a trailer that even to this day, I think is one of the best constructed trailers that of recent years. Um, it uses that very haunting uh, choir, choral cover of uh, Creep by Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Um, Infamously, yeah. Yeah, and and kind of doesn't, doesn't really explain much about what is going to be happening in the film. It starts with just kind of shots of people, like you, screenshots of Facebook being used. Um, and then you get the, the picture of Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg. And then there's a few other shots from the film without really explaining what is going on and just building up to that moment of um, Andrew Garfield, like slamming the the laptop down in front of Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, yeah. Um and I can remember seeing that at the time and it was it was I was instantly like, this is gonna be fucking good. Um <laughs> and uh and not being at all disappointed when I went to see it, uh and really enjoying it. It really sticking with me. Um I think I've mentioned before, like the soundtrack was something that I used to use as like focused writing music um because mm. it's so 
good and and in that very particular mindset. Um, but yeah, I I really I I was already a fan of Fincher. But I think this is probably what cemented him in my mind as one of my favorite filmmakers because it takes a subject that it could be very dry. Um, it really could. Yeah. Like I said, that was kind of the expectation. And, and also, I was yeah. I was a big Aaron Sorkin is a mixed bag. Um, but I was a huge West Wing fan since university, and so knowing that he was writing this as well, I was aware, like, oh, this could be very good. Um, and then, and then, obviously, it was. I have almost the exact same story, basically. Um, <clears throat> it was the, and the thing is, when you get to a certain point um, of of, so we say, cinema appreciation, you just go, oh, it's the new insert name here. So, but this had a few of them for me. Um, it was the new David Fincher film. So I was going to be invested no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. It, no matter what it's about, I don't give a fuck, it's the mm-hmm. new Fincher film. Um, Jeff Cronenworth is in it doing the uh, the DP stuff and he's obviously fantastic. Great, I will go see a film that he is DPing just because he's a DP. Aaron Sorkin is writing. I will see the film Aaron Sorkin is writing, good or bad, just to see what he does with it, if it's good or not. Mm-hmm. I, as, as Tim said, same thing with the Big Fan of the West Wing and things like that and A Few Good Men and other bits and pieces. Oh, he's some some really good wordy script shit mm. um <laughs> and now he's actually quite an accomplished director i think sorkin's only had two outings and molly's game and a trial for the chicago uh seven has actually been yeah he's been decent i think he's got potential um and then on top of that it's the oh by the way the score is being done by trent Reznor and <laughs> Ross. I, was, I was waiting for you to say that yeah and Matt's so this penis m- just sprang <laughs> up fully around i could only get so hard <laughs> <laughs> it was it was genuine because of like this movie has the potential to be absolutely astonishing. Um, and everyone had the same reaction that Jack sort of mentions, like, a Facebook movie, fuck off. And, How interesting could that be? Yeah. And the thing is, Facebook. the thing that sold it to me, like, oh, I mean, I know I'd be, be and I, I was committed anyway. I was going to go see it anyway. The re- the, and and it's, I don't think we actually give this thing enough credit. Uh, Tim mentioned it just now, but it does actually get referenced by a few people uh, as an actual interesting turning point it is one of the first trailers to use the choral sad mopey version mm-hmm. of a song now admittedly it's not full swing yet which is the the tropiest most yes. cliche bullshit for the last 10 years and also creep is a pretty sad mopey song to start with that's the difference true yeah it's, it's already one it's not like taking out a pop song like fucking girls just want to have fun and mm. then doing or, or taking like alternative rock songs from the 90s yeah. and then- Doing what? like smells like teen spirit, but really slow. What was the Cut one recently that used fucking old town road, but did it as a sad version? Oh, oh yes, yeah. um, that's gonna bug me now. Which is also a, got tied to nine inch nails there. Yeah, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> of ghosts. I haven't played that to my wife, and she went, oh. um, yeah. "You, you told me that, Matt." I, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. There's a lot going on there to be marketing, but even um, I think Soderbergh's linked to this in somehow, or at least someone who works with Soderbergh. That tagline on the poster, which was also used in the, oh, in the what an trailer, iconic poster, fucking yeah. brilliant. And the thing is, that did instruct a lot of people going forward. But the taglines are going, you know, in waves. You don't see taglines a lot right now. Um, you get like the little tiny like little things. It was big in the eighties where you get like, oh, it's huge. They pissed off the wrong guy and all, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yep. He'll do anything to save his country. But by, by the oh, way, it was Rambo: Last Blood uses the sad mopey version of Old Town Road. There oh, you go. God, there you go. Thank off. God. Fuck me. Fuck off. But I mean, I could turn around and I've got a poster of Scarface on the wall, mm. and there are 
basically three or four paragraphs of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's not a blow. But the one was, and the issue they did change it was 300 million at the time, but they changed it to 500 million because Facebook yeah. was just about to that many users. Mm. It said you don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies, and everyone was like. That draws you in so that quickly. Is such, mm. That is such a tagline, and it is just like what a quarter of Eisenberg's face, basically. Yes. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no like, oh, him and Garford like squaring off in a boardroom, or yeah. him like, w- or whatever. You know, like we have to talk about Army Hammer. I know Army Hammer <laughs> being there or whatever. Like, yes, it's just his face and that tagline, and then the, the social network in the Facebook font. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. That's very fucking clever. It's, it's one of the posters that really like stands out in my mind. I was going to say within the last decade, but it's mm. not. It's 2010. Of, of the 2010s decade, that yeah. is yes. one of the posters yes. that really kind of stands out in my mind when you think iconic posters that I saw. Mm-hmm. That's why I think I'm pretty sure I saw it in the cinema, because I remember seeing that poster in this huge format in the actual cinema. Yeah, and it it did instruct a lot of people. I mean, we moan about things like you know, ah, oh, and it's like anything. Anytime you have a um, something becomes a trope or very frustrating, like say for example, The Martian, big close up of, of <laughs> you know Matt Damon's face and it says, "Bring him home." Yeah. Um, the kind we of did that in with... Saving Private Ryan. We've been through that. <laughs> yeah, he's been back already. Um, but this was one of those things where it did actually instruct people, like, "Oh no, we're going to go forward. We're going to show a big ass bit of somebody's face and just have text all over it." Mm. And, and and a lot of other things that do the similar thing. It became a bit of a trope again. And like, this is an ugly thing that's been cliche. And again, it usually comes down to someone did something di- dif- different and interesting, and every studio aped it. So the, from the marketing alone. I was ready. And I saw it in the cinema, <laughs> obviously. Um, and I saw it at Cinema City, specifically in Norwich. I remember very distinctly that it wasn't what I was expecting. The opening conversation is so engrossing in that bar and everything's going on. And Rooney Mara says, in future, you may think people are, you know, mean to you because it's because you're an asshole. Oh, and yeah. storms yeah, off. Yeah. And then you get the dun. <laughs> of, of hand-covered bruise. And it's like, this is possibly going to be a masterpiece if they can stick this. And I know it's Fincher, so I have no, I, I have no doubt it's going to be amazing. Um, a, a staple of the sequelizers lore <laughs> and universe. Yes, yes. I, 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 I One go, of our faves. We don't always have these reactions. We do get disappointed in certain things, and it's, but it's the, it's the, it's the, uh, the, the inverted version of the Hattori Hanzo sword. Hattori Hanzo sword, <laughs> as far as Kill Bill is concerned, is you don't compare a Hattori Hanzo sword to another Hattori Hanzo sword. You compare it to every other sword ever made. And it's like, yes, but with a Fincher film, you don't compare it to other fin- other films. That doesn't make a difference. You <laughs> compare it to other Fincher films because that's all that matters. Because mm-hmm. everything else is operating on a level that's below a Fincher. I mean, he film. was coming off well, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, like which a couple I of, love a couple that of years before this. I think that film's fine. Mm. I'm not a, not a big fan. A of lot that. of people aren't fans of it. Yeah, um, and then follows up with uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo the following year as mm. well, which I like. Again, didn't didn't blow me away, but like, I'm trying to think. They're probably like two of my least favorite Fincher <laughs> films. Like the two Panic either Room side is another of one this. that people don't. Panic really care Room's about. fine. A, obviously, Alien Three, a film we've covered mm. on oh, yeah, this show yeah, before. Um, but yeah, yeah. He then, and then obviously goes on to do Gone Girl and most recently the Netflix film Mank. So. Yeah, it's a, it's an interest. I, I wonder if like, but I wonder if a lot of people consider this his best film. Like a lot of people, because yeah, I mean you've got Fight Club, you've got Seven, 
you know, you've got... It depends who... Like, everything, it depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, and, and one day, very soon, with our, um, uh, for, for patrons will know this, we do, obviously, our monthly live streams, and we've been doing a regular feature of taking an entire director's oeuvre, what they made, and just doing a bit of a, a rank-and-file sort of, like, elimination process tournament. Ooh, are, you, are you teasing a future Fincher? <laughs> well, eventually, it's going to be Fincher, isn't it? And it's going to be very difficult, because what do we think? I mean, if... I think you might be right. And if I'm honest with you, Seven is very high on that list. He's got 11 feature films to his name, according to the, the page I'm looking at mm, right sure, now. Sure, sure. So if, he can, pretty, if, he, if he can hammer out corner. five more, just nice and quick, then we've got a Can you just... A top hey, Dave, Dave, for us. Work. Dave, Dave yeah. can, can, I know you're listening. Can it's you round it up, please, mate? Yeah. yeah. Make our life a little bit easier. Yeah. Um... No, so social network. I, I hadn't. I was always going to be a, almost a given that I go see this thing, and a given that I would enjoy it. Um, and it was just how much I enjoyed it. And the interesting thing for me is that I didn't care for the ending. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's great, but it's such a story told in in, in Medias Res that or Medias Res that it's like it. It's like trying to write about the financial crisis, like Margin Call, when it's just happening. Yeah. You don't know the outcome yet, so you have to end on this very strange. Yeah, because because uh, the film ends in two thousand and what six something like that. Um, and it, ta- it talks about in two thousand eight this mm. happened and blah 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 right at the end. And I agree with you. I think the cliched bit of the like Zuckerberg went on to do this yeah. thing with the like freeze frame <laughs> little little thing of text is like. Yeah. I mean, we see that in fucking rom-coms and like Blink One Eight Two parody music videos. Yeah. at this point, it's like, a, a classic of the like the musical biopic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, black screen, white text. Yeah, yeah, freeze frame, fade to black, white yeah. text. Mark That's Zuckerberg cool. died five minutes after this shot. <laughs> Nobody cared, <laughs> but it was interesting. It was replaced by an android, and now it all makes sense. <laughs> it, it's interesting to me because. When it came out, or was being billed as coming out, Zuckerberg was interviewed and he said, I just hoped they wouldn't make a film while I was still alive about me. And I was like, that's interesting. I'm not going to come out of this well, basically. But the thing that was interesting to me is that if you were to make a... Obviously, I can't say where the future's going to go or what it's going to be, but the reason we picked this, the reason we want to see a sequel to this, the reason there may fucking be a sequel to this eventually is... Be- and, uh, you know, Hellboy 3 in the capacity we want to see, very unlikely. Um, um, Power never Rangers, in a million years. Not no going to happen. No. This almost, almost guaranteed at some point well, because if you were doing yeah. a story in the, the multiple arcs of somebody's life, it's like saying, yeah, and then Henry VIII met his first wife and it was great. <laughs> End of story. That's where the, that's where the biopic ends. Henry, Henry VIII has... carried on to rule as king for a few more years. By the way, he also had five more wives. Yeah, so lots of wives, lots of death, lots of church shit, and then gives gives birth to you know arguably the first queen of England technically, uh, with Queen Elizabeth the first. It's like what? Because ultimately, the, again, the story is still ongoing, and the most imp- if if you were to say we're going to do a movie about all of Zuckerberg stuff, all the things that we know so far, plus whatever the future holds. The most of the story in the social network would be irrelevant. It would be a footnote. It would be a montage in an opening third act shit. But because it's so drawn out, it's actually really fascinating. I mean, the the interesting thing, especially when you consider they got Aaron Sorkin to write, mm. is that, you know, we talk about, oh, it's the Facebook movie. But in a lot of ways, it is not really that much. It could... It, Facebook could be replaced by anything. 
Um, oh, yeah, because Sorkin doesn't know technology. Because, fucking because <laughs> Sorkin's terrible with technology. Anytime Aaron Sorkin writes about the internet, he sounds like an idiot. Yes. Um, and, like, you can fucking watch the newsroom or something like that, and you'll just oh, go yeah. away slapping your forehead. But he oh. understand the thing he does understand is, is kind of uh, power dynamics, negotiation, and... Uh, and just and greed and arrogance, yeah, and greed and arrogance, pride, yeah. Um, and so it's not really a story about Facebook or how social networks function or how they've changed society. It's a story about a relationship between two kind of three people. If you if you figure Sean Parker in there, um, and that's that's such a fascinating angle to take on it because it makes it timeless in a way where if yeah. they had just tried to make a film about like Facebook's worth a lot of money let's let's like make a film about how Facebook got created probably would have aged incredibly fast but because oh, God, yeah. the themes that it is dealing with are timeless it it feels sort of weirdly universal and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's aged super badly even though so much more stuff has happened with facebook mm. because it's as we will certainly talk about yeah, later yeah, because it's else. because it's rooted in its in its creation and in those in those themes that don't fade that remain constant it doesn't feel like it's completely gone out of date within five minutes of it coming out and i think that's another reason why it's been a successful release as far as a film is concerned, as far as a story is concerned, because people who might have gone, ah, I don't care about it, or it's easy to project yourself into it. You're obviously not a person individually who has created a fucking <laughs> behemoth. Billion dollar company. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. But anytime you've done a group endeavor, whether it's a fucking band mm -hmm. and you're you know obviously forming a band a from project sorts, in high project, school exactly anything <laughs> you like, oh, want to do a thing we're all going to go off and make a podcast a podcast <laughs> about bad sequels yeah there's all you can always have this relatable stuff because it's like anytime you want to do something it's something that starts out fun simple innocent and you want to go you get all that excitement and like oh it's great then it becomes serious and business and routine and eat and i know all companies all people are able to do this you have to say like I told you in confidence that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for this. It'd be fine. And you have now fucked me on this because you said that, you know, I'm being loose, very, very vague with the, the terminology because it doesn't matter. It can be like, look, we formed this band together. Okay. And I told you, I didn't want to be relegated to just doing backing fucking singing. I want my own songs. Mm. It's like, yeah, but uh, we're on our second album now. We're actually going to be really a big thing. It's really mm. important. I don't want to do this anymore. It, that it, kind of it's shit. Dave's songs that are really getting the crowd going, you know. I think he, yeah. he's, he's writing the hits. So We wouldn't know, be here without his tracks. And yeah. your stuff is shit. It's like, well, yeah. And, and, and even if it's something simple, it's like, oh, we're going to... home, Matt. This is very <laughs> Sorry. Let me, try, let me change it up a little. It's like, what happens if it's like, okay, well, we're going to make cupcakes together <laughs> and sell them out, like sell cheese on the internet or something like that. It's still the idea of like, motherfucker, you said this, that, and the other. And mm, yeah. yeah. And, and it comes down to, well, it wasn't drawn in a contract, so it doesn't fucking matter. Mm. And fuck you. And it's the whole, you know, the personal relationship that goes with success and all these things and how that power, and as Tim mentioned earlier, that that pride, that greed, that arrogance, that all that stuff that Sorkin can really drill down into very, very well, um, comes out. And not to mention, you actually have a two angles. Sorry, one is the founding of this company and the bitter rivalry in between it because of petty bullshit. 
you've also got this um, rival group with Army Hammer and Army Hammer and Max Minella <laughs> and also um, who's the other Winklevoss body substance? Oh, Josh Pence. Josh Pence. Thank you. Yes, I can Yeah. Who got screwed out of that in a way? I was thinking, way, like, there isn't it. a third person in that group. Who are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you mean the body double? Yeah. He's also fun, funny little cameo. He's the guy who gets turned away from the bathroom after they get yes, blown in yeah. the bathroom by the two girls. He goes, like, ah, two girls freshen up. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but this film shouldn't be relatable. Oh, these people are fucking Harvard elite, mm. fucking entitled, privileged pricks. And who are, you know, forming things as they're mucking around and, you know, they know about coding. Most people don't. Um, they're misogynistic wankers, especially to start with. And hopefully most people won't be able to relate to that. And it, it's, it's like, yeah, well, I don't have those experiences. Specifically. Yeah, but you've done something with a friend. Like, oh, I'm going to go off and I, I was play football. Say, yeah. One pair's better than the other. Like, you might not have built a billion dollar company, but you were probably a dickhead while you are at university at some point. <laughs> like, yeah. You were probably took advantage of somebody, whether it was a friend mm. or a partner or somebody you met in a bar that night or whatever it was. Yeah. Like mm. People do stupid, unpleasant things when they're young because they're learning and they don't understand what they're doing mm. or they don't understand the consequences of their actions and yes. all this kind of stuff. And the thing that, it, the, the final thing that it ends with is like Mark Zuckerberg was the youngest person to ever become a billionaire. Mm. It's like, re- I feel that really kind of puts in p- perspective the whole story of like, he is a kid managing an entire fucking company that quickly becomes one of the big five tech companies in the entire fucking world. Mm-hmm. And as much of as, and we'll get into like historical inaccuracy and stuff, obviously it's not oh, quite yeah. Braveheart levels, but <laughs> we'll get there. Eisenberg's interpretation is even more of a like, you know, snarky dickhead than mm. apparently Zuckerberg was in real life. But Zuckerberg sure. is known for being quite cold and mm. quite kind of like, well, yeah, that's the business, tough shit kind mm. of Robotronic! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Known for being a weird lizard man who can barely drink water or talk. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that as well. But having that kind of interpretation of that character, and you were like, God, yeah, what was I doing when I was 19 or 20? Mm. Or like, you know, I was doing some coding. I did some coding as part of my university course, but I don't remember creating a fucking hot or not competitor yeah. <laughs> and, and building websites and stuff like plenty of people do build websites during university you know i've had a quite few friends who are in coding programs and all this kind of stuff mm. but it really puts into perspective how much you know do you think how much you grow over the period of like four or five years from 18 19 to your early and mid 20s and that is the period we're examining in zuckerberg's life mm. and and the other guys as well you know um Saverin and all the other guys as well the Winkle losses. Mm. But just imagine having that extra thing on your plate that and obviously Zuckerberg then just goes, fuck it, I'm throwing everything I can into this into this program. And then obviously you get the influence of Sean Parker. Played fantastically, by the way, by Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he's Timberlake great. is he, he's well, he has little moments where he just shows up and I'm gonna shout out Inside Lewin Davis is one of my <laughs> one of my favorite films. And he just, he's just fucking brilliant in that film. Yeah. And he's not in it for very long. He's not necessarily even like, you know, a, a scene-stealing, show-stealing mm. presence necessarily, but he is just perfect. You think, God, Sean Parker's a dickhead. <laughs> but, he, but he kind of succeeds at stuff, and you're like, oh, God. And the, the kind of combination of Saverin, Parker, 
Zuckerberg, them all coming together, and the performances by Garfield and uh, Eisenberg as well, all combining together. It really is this kind of lightning in a bottle moment in terms of the film and in terms of how that happened in real life. And I think those, the the way the film was made and how I think, like like you said, this could easily be boring as fuck and nobody would care being the Facebook film. And somehow Sorkin and the cast and the crew and obviously Fincher made this thing work in the same way that those fucking teenagers in their Harvard, you know, boardrooms and basements and college dorms and all this kind of stuff actually made it work. And you think, am I am I relating to a bunch of fucking Harvard hoity toity, you know, trying to get into a fucking um the Phoenix Club and all this bullshit? I'm like that's that's not something I want to relate to, but ugh, I kind of am. That's gross. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I was again, like I said, I was nothing like that in university, but it was like you can see you know people are and you probably know who people who have been like that and even touches on wider things such as like inter- intellectual property law and how that works and that was a whole thing that was still being worked out in terms of the internet like he has the great line of well you can't copyright code and i haven't used any of their code so mm. fuck you like it's not mm-hmm. my problem like yes but it's the idea like <laughs> well you can't copyright an idea unless you go and copyright your idea so i i really like the dean's thing which is yeah this is harvard <laughs> oh, he's he's brilliant he's yeah. great there are students in my office it's like it's like this is harvard if you uh have a bad idea or someone steals your idea, get a new one. Mm, it's like yeah. you don't come here to get a There's job. People inventing things in every room in this yeah. goddamn building. Yes. You're in yeah. Harvard, boys. Like, yeah. And it, it that's <laughs> that that scene is really interesting because it's clearly someone who is smart and intelligent. And from a point certain point of view, his comments make absolute sense. But they're also completely wrong because he's like this idea is worth millions of dollars. I don't think so. Like, you know, fuck off. And it's yeah. like, no, this idea will literally change the world. This idea will reshape elections and <laughs> change the way we communicate with each other. And he's just yeah. like, okay, yeah, they stole your website. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? Because he must get that shit all the time. Yeah. You'll hear like a, a word from, oh, one of the professors will say, like, oh, yeah, my kid's there. And one of them claimed they, they invented this bullshit. And, he says he's going to go off and become a millionaire. Typical fucking Harvard kids. You know how it is. Mm. I imagine it's the same thing with like, you know, in high school or primary school, you run to the headmaster or a teacher, miss, 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 this, because in the university, it's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. That's <laughs> not why I'm here. Has a crime been committed? <laughs> well, not necessarily. Then fuck off. Yeah. And yet, I also think the film doesn't understand how big it is because the world didn't mm. understand. Mm. Because you, uh, Tim mentioned it perfectly yeah. just now. It's 10 years ago. It's crazy. The last text on the screen is just very much like, oh, yeah, we all use, face- we all use Facebook now. So, mm. Yeah, Facebook hadn't become what it is now. Mm. And if you just said, like, you know, that's why if you're watching Social Network with any form of hindsight, it mm. doesn't actually make sense as a movie. This is where it becomes interesting because it is a, it's an acclaimed film. I must be like high 90s of, of, of Rotten Tomatoes easy. It made, what, its budget many, many times over? Like 40, uh, yeah, 50 so million? It, bu- it was a budget of 40 million and it made 225 million. Precisely. So. For a drama, that's like, you know, yeah, a, a, an achievement. It got Oscars, it did well, and it was heralded as, a, as, as we said, possibly one of Finch's best mm. films. And many people would put it on a list on the top. Mm. A lot um, of people say it's like one of the best films of that decade. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the one that was yeah. like, they said was it uh, uh, the King's Speech one um, best picture? And I'm gonna, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> because <laughs> everyone felt it. Well, a lot of people felt yeah. it should have been should have been this. It's got 96 percent on Rotten Tomato. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think most of the negatives are probably things like, oh, the historical accuracy or, or what the fuck ever. But the more you go on hindsight and you realize how important, well, how much Facebook has shaped the last five fucking years and mm. not in a good fucking way, then you realize, guys, the story isn't what you think it is. The story isn't how this thing was formed and how one guy's a bit of a weirdo and, you know, he fucked over his friends and stuff. That, that That's a cool narrative, but it becomes more, not irrelevant, but more like just the starting block, the platform. It's not the main story in it's in this in this tale. So I'm curious if someone's coming into this movie fresh. I know Facebook is a thing. I know my mum uses Facebook to share around minion memes <laughs> um, and, and anti-vaxxer shit, but um, I don't use Facebook because I can't fucking stand it, that kind of thing. You're like, right, here's the Facebook movie. You're like, cool. Where's all the it. minions? What's going <laughs> on? Where's the minions? I think it's fascinating because I think it's and and the reason that it's so ripe for a sequel. Um, obviously, there's been all this stuff you know that's come out since mm. and the world's developed, but it does it it does provide this interesting foundation to go from because it it basically says like yeah these put these people weren't thinking about the ethical implications of what they were doing. They mm. were they were like twenty three years old, and the thing that they were worried about was like trying to get girls to sleep with them and mm -hmm. screwing their friends over and you know like oh you can go to this club where i can get apple teenies and you know <laughs> or you know i can i can become part of this society at harvard and stuff like that and it 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 kind of shows the recklessness with which they treated what they were doing because it was just kind of a lark and a goof and never did they stop and think about like wait we're we're creating this enormous tool and not putting like we have built no breaks into this because we're so we're so worried about going quickly and you know there's the uh i don't know if it's if it originated with facebook but there's a silicon valley like saying which is like move fast and break things yeah, the idea that, of that's, like that's zuckerberg's phrase yeah there we, that. yeah which is the idea that like okay well it's so important to be first in in like tech development and it's better to kind of disrupt things than than stop and think about what you're doing and risk being second. Um, well done, you fuck democracy. Yeah, you and it's like, shit. and it's like, yeah, no, you should, you should have poured. You should be teaching programmers ethics and to think about like, okay, but what happens if the worst possible people get access to your technology? Because as soon as you put a piece of tech into the world, congratulations, the worst possible people are going to get hold of it. Um, Which is always like a thing I never understand about. This is a bit of a tangent. It's about governments. It's like we want to put this through, so we never have to have oversight from Congress or Parliament or anything else. We could just put it through immediately. Why are you doing that? Because I want to get the worst fucking policies I can enacted. Because I'm a kind of awful right wing, whatever. And you're like, you do realize that if you put this through, it's very possible when, if and when another party takes over, they'll have those same laws they can use to unwrite everything you've done and make things what you would personally hate as an environment to live in. Oh well, well don't worry, they won't get in. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and, it's and it's it's short term thinking again, isn't it? It's, it's like all short term thinking. Yes. Entirely. You know, to 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 take a a real world example that's happening as we're recording this, Biden is undoing all the executive orders that Trump <laughs> yeah. did because they're executive orders, and you can do that. All you need is the authority of the president. So you know, Trump had his term. Now he's out. Let's reverse all that. But it doesn't matter because in in the four years that, that it was in place. 
plenty of people got hurt and his buddies made plenty of money and that's exactly. that's all they think about and to enact real lasting change you do need the more considered approach to actually like make it laws and things mm, yeah and and funny enough zuckerberg actually changed the move fast and break things like phrase about 5 or 6 years ago is to move fast move fast with stable infrastructure <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fuck oh come on mark not quite got the same not ring quite as, to it not quite I yeah don't think not quite you as build snappy. anything fast with stability um, uh, even unless you're breaking kit. stuff you're not moving fast enough was like how it first came yeah. around mm. and he kind of turned it into the actual like official I believe he had it on the walls of the Facebook like offices. Yeah. Like wouldn't the, surprise me. Yeah, Big Brother is watching. I'll also move fast and break things. We should point out there is a, and this, but the, the film does this quite well. There's a humanizing aspect of what the fuck were you doing when you were 19? Mm, Everybody yeah. makes the mistakes. The difference is you make your mistakes in the dark. Mm. There's no public scrutiny. It's only when you're like making this thing on this huge level. I mean, again, we should also point out. But the historical inaccuracies, this film is not a documentary. It is a dramatization mm. of events. And as such, it is largely erroneous in places. However, it doesn't fucking matter. As far as the public are concerned, this is the documented factual history. Because mm. that's the power of movies and television. People don't give a shit. People know full well that the Romans invaded England and then we went north of the wall with Jon Snow and wait, no, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the fact that you, your, your mind is polluted by fiction. Mm. Um, and that's not a bad thing because there obviously there's a, and like, like the reason we have folk tales and, and, you know, um, fables and such and fairy tales is to give us a very simple moral understanding of what to do. It's like, you know, I'm telling my kids a bedtime story to terrify them. You wouldn't want to be like Mark Zuckerberg now, would you? No, he's a wanker. That's right, he is a wanker. <laughs> he's a weird robot, man. But he's the president now, so we better start saluting. <laughs> I mean, it is. It, it was fascinating when the kind of the congressional hearings about, you know, the Facebook misinformation and stuff like that mm. was were happening and everybody finally kind of, there was a much wider exposure of people kind of like, okay, let's see what Mark Zuckerberg's got to say. Partially yeah. because people were interested, partially because there then had at that point been a movie. The social network had come out. Correct. And they were like, okay, let's see what he's like in real life. Let's see how close Jesse Eisenberg got. And it's like, oh, he's not Why nearly, does he need a cushion? <laughs> he's not got this kind of weird snarky charm that Jesse Eisenberg had. He's just this really awkward guy sweating under the like the lamps of democracy as they try, as they go. He's the guy who had no friends and just sat in his bedroom coding. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And now he's glitching. Because yeah. Eduardo was like, you have no friends, Mark. Yeah. And he says that like two or three times throughout the film. Yeah. Mm. And you kind of fucking see why. Yeah. He's, he, he's kind of known as being this cold kind of, not actually callous to, obviously mm. to start with, I assume he is now because he's a fucking billionaire because that makes yeah, you a bit ostracized that, from the That's world. how it works, mm, folks. Yeah. But, he really seems as kind of distant, almost like, you know, difficult to relate to other people. He feels like he's very much on another level and he needs people to move fast and break things mm. and keep up with him and all this kind of shit. And he finally found a couple of people who he thought could, you know, build the business with and all that sort of stuff and obviously felt the connection with Parker and all mm. that kind of stuff. But it is a weird kind of thing comparing... And, but again, we're Sorry. also we're assigning, like features and, and qualities to him that come purely from the social network. Right. Like, exactly. We, yeah. Like, yeah. he is still very much 
an enigma, the real Mark Zuckerberg, because, you know, he doesn't, he's not an affable, like gregarious guy who's out there making lots of public statements and, and you get a proper idea of him. He's reclusive. And the thing that we have to go on is when he finally showed up in front of Congress and was, you know, like, can I have a cushion to sit on so I can look tall? You know, <laughs> uh, and now, and now I'm just going to answer I don't recall to like 87% of the questions. I think there's a good analogy here or a good comparison. And it is actually strangely a very Fincher thing because of his most recent film, Mank. Citizen Kane, one of the most all time classic films is a very, 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 very thinly veiled guys uh, talking about William Randolph Hearst. The huge, huge paper mogul who controlled practically everything. And, you know, the script based on Herman J. Mankiewicz's um, <clears throat> exploits, who's a very, very eccentric writer, but, but, you know, being a sort of friend, shall we say, of William Randolph Hearst, more specifically his wife. And there's an anecdote I always really like where Hurst got wind of what was happening and was felt very betrayed by Mankiewicz. And he said, I'm going to bomb this film. I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to trash it in my papers and everything. And then all the theatre said, we're going to have to pull it. And Wells was like, I fucking love it. Brilliant. Tell him, go, Bill, he, Wells is a master of that kind of stuff. He said, Bill, it's the film they don't want you to see and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, people went to see the film. And, and then, you know, it got like no, almost no screenings, didn't do very well at the box office to start with. And now it's a classic and won, well, it was, you know, nominated for how many Oscars and things. And obviously Mankiewicz and, and, and Wells fell out. But more importantly, by happenstance, there's an old anecdote, which is that Orson Wells and Randolph Hearst were in a lift together, silently riding at the top. <laughs> and uh, as they got to the, wherever they were going, I can't remember the exact exchange, but basically he'd found out that Brilliant Wine Hurst had heard about the movie I was seeing and trying to burn it, but he refused to watch it. And um, as he left, Wales just screamed at him, Kane would have seen it! Um, <laughs> <laughs> because again, everyone doesn't, nobody cares about the man, William Randolph, Randolph Hearst. The only reason people we know in this century know his name is because you go, oh, the Citizen Kane guy. Mm. It's like, I want to run for governor. In my Xanadu place. It's like, yeah, it's 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 a it's, this man's a joke. He's nonsense. He's silly. He's he's this outrageous character. You know, Shia LaBeouf clapping his hand away. Is you know in a recreation of a shot from from Citizen Kane. It's the same thing. For years, we will attribute the uh, just the general mannerisms of Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal via Aaron Sorkin's script and David <laughs> Fincher's direction of. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, and mm. that's how he will be remembered. Even if, like you say, for example, like the whole like hit, the hit, we have documented evidence of him like saying, uh, "Senator, I um, don't understand the question," and then beaming a smile for no reason, like someone's yeah. just like, <laughs> "Fucking smile, you idiot!" It's like, <laughs> uh, there's a brilliant. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the bad lip Spicer? reading series. Oh, bad, oh and, yes, uh, yeah, brilliant. It, I mean, Sp Michael Spice is amazing as well. Mm. He does the uh, Room Next Door series. Yes, if you guys yes. don't know that, um, but yeah, there's a bad lip reading one where it's just literally like, ah. Uh, Maybe you should smile now, Mark. See if you see if you can show us a smile. He does his weird little creeping. Mm, ding. <laughs> He's like a nineteen fifties bewitched character or something that's just been ding. <laughs> but that's the oh, point. Yeah, yeah. That's yes, they're documented. But even if they do get a social network too, which talks about the hearings, and everything else, and other bits of them going on, and who the fuck knows whatever, which we'll come to later. That will still be the memorable thing. That's what people are going to remember: the performance, not the yeah. documentary side of things. And I think 
you're going to get into some, I don't know, it's just some tricky waters there, but like, mm. because that, as as you said, Tim, like so much of Zuckerberg's early life is just interpreted through the book, obviously that Social Network is based on the accidental billionaires and then through the film. We don't actually know how much of that stuff is true because mm. the, the the guys don't do interviews, basically. But loads of people saw the fucking yeah. congressional hearings and the Cambridge Analytica scandal and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. So we know his actual responses, but that is not the Eisenberg interpretation of Zuckerberg mm. that makes any sense. Like, you can't have him... Like you said, he's got that smarmy charm, mm. that kind of cocky arrogance to him. More so than the robotic weirdness of seemingly yeah. the real Zuckerberg. It's it's the iconic line of, "I'm giving you X amount of my time, my percentage. I'm already in the Facebook offices. I'm doing this. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. even yeah. listening to me like, it's like you, you, so have, you have the cool. smallest amount of attention mm. exactly have possible. Do you think I'm worthy of your attention? Honestly, no, yeah. no, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm out there. I'm making billions, and you're sat here, blah blah blah, exactly all that kind of stuff. Whereas it'd be very int- i can i can totally see it cuz i think there probably will be a sequel made at some point almost guaranteed. sounds like sounds like there will be and and Sorkin has basically said if fincher comes back i'm back sign me up we're doing it kind of thing mm-hmm. and you know that makes a lot of sense <laughs> and if it happens i can i can totally see the youtube videos already yeah. of the side by side comparisons <laughs> of real zuckerberg <laughs> and eisenberg and <laughs> just cutting between the two cuz people do that like take the any Netflix serial killer documentary or, or like like Mindhunter, for example, mm. where you get the like FBI profilers and stuff like, oh, here's Cameron playing the like the serial killer guy. Mm. And then here's the real serial killer audio thing. And look how great his interpretation of the character mm. is. And here's the real people these characters are based on and all this kind of stuff. And then you can literally just play David Oyelowo in Selma. Ex- perfect example. Yes. And you, you, you take that like, here's Eisenberg's answer. Uh, well, I uh, pff, I don't know, Senator. You tell me, motherfucker. <laughs> Whatever. And and here's Zuckerberg. Um, I uh, I, I don't recall. Yeah, yeah. It's artistic licenses, and yeah. it's like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're you've gonna have to, to do gotta, something with that. You've got to sexy it up a bit to make people want to watch, watch it. it. And because I've I've watched not the I don't think I've seen the whole thing, but like quite Fucking a lot of different, hours, quite a lot of different clips. Fuck me, is it dull? Yeah. And it's just a lot of old people not understanding how technology well, yes, that's, works. That's the and, then, and then there's Mark Zuckerberg not understanding how politics works. Or people. And, and, or people and other humans mm. and how they interact. And those two <laughs> things clash in the middle and everybody just goes, I don't know what you mean. I'm sorry, what? what? No, that's not that. Sorry, Senator, that, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, but you, did, did you ask your users? What, what do you mean? We, we, can't, we can't do that. We, we, it's not a big, we don't just do like a news bulletin from the company. That's not because, how that works. Well, yeah, because somebody thinks like, how do you run this company? What do you mean? Where's the money coming from? I don't understand. What are you selling, son? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What and the fuck are you talking about, old man? It's like a yeah. gas station. Senator Nelson says that quite a few times. He may appear in my pitch, spoiler alert. Um, and he does the whole like, well, wh- where's it all coming from? H- how, do you, how do you get your users? And he's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, how do, how do you advertise your company? He's like, what do you mean? Yeah. How do I advertise? It's, I would imagine that'd be the trailer. Have you seen would... the poster? It says 500 million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was like a decade ago, motherfucker. Where have you been? It's like literally billions of people at this point, I think, isn't it? It's like oh, 2 yeah. point something yeah. billion. Yeah, it's, it's something like a third of the Earth's population or, or something. Madness. Madness. It's, um, 
it's incredibly frustrating to watch those hearings because like you say it's a it on one side you have a bunch of people who are wanting to hold this thing to account but have no idea how it works and then on mark zuckerberg's side has all this technical knowledge but a doesn't want to share like the things that he knows and yeah b, there's quite a few times where he will backtrack and be like uh can you confirm that you were visited yeah. <laughs> by this person on this date he's like i don't know yeah because because they dealt with one of my, they dealt with the COO or mm. the the FCO or some other title. I think I think that's confidential, so I can't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure. I can't say anything. Like, well, that's not a fucking answer. No. And he is he is not. Even though he is obviously incredibly well informed about these things, he's also not a compelling presence. As we've said, he's this awkward, yeah. sweaty kind of figure. Um, I'd go for slimy, but yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> I think this is a crucial thing that the social network doesn't really come across. And I think the ne the next iteration of whatever it is needs to focus on. It's not Mark's story anymore. And more importantly, and okay, I'm going to give a very strange analogy here. Uh-oh, uh here we go. Oh, no, strange example, sorry. One of the patented weird Stockton analogies. Oh, not that, not that weird, don't worry. A man is on a bus with a can of beans, right? <laughs> so no. Mark Zuckerberg is the beans. <laughs> So, um, but also the man and the bus, <laughs> and so basically, social network uh, came around about the time we heard in this country uh, we were going through the hung parliament stuff and the coalition government of the Liberal Democrats, which is the centrist party, and the Conservatives, which at that time was sort of centre right but still right currently. Anyway, point is, at that point they started talking about how they were going to have a porn net. And they were saying, we're just going to do this. And everyone said, whoa, whoa, what the fuck do you mean, a porn net? It's mm -hmm. like, what you do is, we're banning all the porn on the internet. You have to go to your news agents with your passport. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you have to therefore say you want access to pornography. No one will do it. Oh, and all MPs are exempt, obviously. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? First of all, <laughs> all MPs how... are exempt. Those cunts. Yeah, what counts as porn? And how are you banning it? How, how yeah. are you doing that? And the thing is, obviously, but just so you know, it didn't happen because MPs they don't, don't know, know how the exactly. internet works. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, oh, just, just turn it off. It's like, it's not a tap. It's not a product you can recall. <laughs> and that's the problem. They don't know. You can just type porn into Google, you fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the thing. It's the whole, like, we're talking about like, the oversight that this company needs. It's like, government needs to understand technology in order to oversee it properly. I'm not saying about, you know, interfering mm. government. I'm not getting that whole fucking argument. Well, that that, and that does get into the whole discussion of like, who governs the companies yeah. that are so big they're basically their own government. Like, And again, these people are not paying taxes. Which ties into Trump and Twitter in this whole thing. Like, well, the president can say what he likes. They can't ban him. Like, yes, he can. He signed, he signed an agreement mm. when he created an account and that supersedes anything else because... Because he legally agreed to it. Like, yeah. Somebody copied and pasted what Trump was saying and got banned for it for violating things. Like, well, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, I saw that. It's a, a guy just, he just tweeted exactly what Trump did and he got banned yes. within about 13 days or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's the technology is moving faster than the legislation can keep up with. It's, it's way faster. Yeah. yeah. Move fast and break things, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Legislation and laws are unbearably slow to get yeah. through like the bills in america and mm. the legislation and, and like houses of lords and commons and stuff over here is just sometimes you need that oversight correct sometimes it does need mm. you know time to mill about and think and you know you need the right people looking you don't want to rush incredibly important life-changing shit for mm. millions and millions of people that mm. makes sense but sometimes <laughs> you kind of need to keep up with the rest and, of the world and, and what's going on and also 
companies are already doing that. They are they yes. are happy to rush in and put something out without thinking through the consequences. Oh yeah, but they don't have the same oversight that government does. Anyway, yeah. Before we take on the massive responsibility of pitching you some alternate versions of a potential the social network too, it's time to pay some bills, some legal fees. All kinds of stuff. And now be covered by Stitcher Premium. You can listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free with Stitcher Premium. Plus you can get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, so much more. It's only $4.99 a month, which is really fucking good deal. Um, it can also be $34.99 a year. You just go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. And if you do that with the code SEQUALIZERS, we'll give you one month for free. Secondly, if you're looking to serve legal documents to the people who helped start your company up, I want to tell you about FedEx office. If you're just starting in a Harvard dorm room or you're running a company and rigging elections, FedEx office gives you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, signage, graphics, and so much more. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering is fast and easy. We've teamed up with FedEx and Podgo to bring you 30% off your next order of $100 or more at podgo.co slash FedEx. So that's podgo.co slash FedEx for 30% off your next order. FedEx, the world on time. So for this interseason, for a sequels we want to see, each get a little pitch all to ourselves and then we discuss them. And I thought I'd go first, since mine is reasonably close to the original social network. I'm, I'm going to adopt a similar structure here. And perhaps the boldest thing is, I'm basically pitching it as the thing that Sorkin is talking about in that interview in October of last year that we mentioned earlier. So this is probably coming out in 2021 or 2022 in that I am pitch. Yeah, my, my, my pitch is a future pitch, which I've never done on the main season, mm. but you guys have done. Yes. <laughs> Either filming during a pandemic or, in, you know, with the masks and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. Or alternatively post-pandemic. Post-pandemic. Yeah. That's why I put yeah, yeah. 21 slash 22 because, yeah, yeah let's yeah, be realistic yeah. here. Um, mm. But yeah, so that's my plan. I'm going to bring back, obviously I'm writing this one in a way, but I would bring back Sorkin in theory and, and also Fincher as well. Um, that, would, that would make sense because, as he said, Sorkin won't come back without Fincher and Fincher won't come back without Sorkin, so it all makes sense. Obviously, I'm bringing back the obvious cast, Zuckerberg, is Eisenberg, all that kind of stuff, the obvious things. There's a couple of key characters, and I basically want to use the similar kind of structure where we have the deposition meeting as kind of, as you said, Matt, like the in-media res kind of thing where you have yes. that being the, the framing of the whole film, and then you mm. flash back to like, oh yeah, do you remember in 2003 when you did this thing? Bang, flashback to 2003. Mm. Obviously, they do it in a much mm. more eloquent way than I just did, but mm. you get the point. <laughs> they're, they're, the use of the framing device in that of the two different depositions. It's really, it's so really, clever. really clever. And easy to follow, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You you never feel out of place or talked down to or anything like that. It worked really, really well. Mm. My plan would be to do a similar sort of thing with the congressional hearings and have, like, obviously, again, like, not a robotic Zuckerberg, but Eisenberg's quirky, smarmy <laughs> Zuckerberg and have when did you become aware of this thing and blah, 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 blah. When were you aware that your data was being used for this purpose? It's like, uh, and mm. then it would go to flashback of this and all that. Mm. You get the gist. Um, in terms of 
the I kind of highlight a couple of the like senators and Congress people and things like that. Um, I mentioned Senator Nelson earlier. He's kind of one of the main old guys who clearly has no idea what the fuck he's talking about and <laughs> does a lot of the questioning in the original um in original hearing. I'd like to cast yeah. Alec Baldwin because <laughs> fuck it, because <laughs> that would be hilarious. And he plays uh terrible politicians quite well as as yeah, as instructed yeah, by yeah. SNL. <laughs> but he would he would be playing it very straight. And, uh, um used to congressional hearings from the Mission Impossible films. Oh yeah, yeah. Excellent point. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Even more qualified than I thought he was. Um <laughs> and uh somebody who we didn't mention earlier, but I definitely want to give a shout out to. He's basically my favorite politician right now is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, colloquially yep. known as AOC. We all she's fucking that, yeah. amazing and fantastic and just the best. And is about the only person in that fucking room who understands how Facebook works. Because she's the only yeah. person under like fifty in that fucking room. <laughs> I think she's like our age. She's in her like early. She's about yeah, the same she's age. She's in her very she... early thirties, late twenties, which is mad. Mm. Future president. I fucking hope so. She's amazing. Know. I she's I the hope best. So, but I don't know. Her, her t-shirt of drink water and don't be racist. It's like, oh, <laughs> so cool. Um, I'm t- pulling from my love of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm gonna cast Stephanie Beatrice. Because she is mm. fantastic. She's got that. the intensity. She's got the like Very good. sharp talking, mm. really kind of mm. really clever, but also really charismatic and interesting. And I know she's also yeah. a big fan of AOC in real life, which helps as well. Yeah. So yeah. totally makes sense for me. Um, a really, really key character now that I'm bringing in who is kind of going to be not necessarily the main character, but kind of the deuteragonist to Zuckerberg in this kind of whole process and the expansion of facebook and stuff true is some people may have heard of her she is the coo of facebook and former google executive before joining facebook and now is on the board of disney she's like one of the most powerful women in the world basically a lady called cheryl sandberg oh yeah yeah Yeah, she's pretty integral to the story of Mm -hmm. facebook after the events of social network that's how they expand they go on Mm -hmm. blah 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 i will get into this in my pitch obviously and this was the moment I'm talking to Matt before we started recording. I was like, there's a moment where I worked out, like, who the fuck am I going to cast? Because she's so oh, okay. integral to my pitch of like, she's gonna, like I said, she's going to be a real important part of it. Yeah. She's in her very early 50s. I think she's 51 at the moment. And she's sure. just quite like, you know, dark haired, quite striking looking Jewish woman. And I was like, yes, yes. Striking looking dark haired Jewish woman who's 50 years old. Sarah fucking Silverman. <laughs> and we were talking, Matt and I <laughs> were talking good. about Very like, good. you bring in comedians and when you get comedians to do Women's these like, roles. Yeah. really interesting, dramatic turns and stuff. And from what I understand, Sandberg mm. is a force to be reckoned with. She is mm. a real driving force and really kind of gave Zuckerberg a lot of a kick up the arse in a lot of ways in terms of the business side of things. So I, I have seen her talk um, because something we didn't really touch on. I spent basically three three and a half years writing about all this stuff, working for oh, a well, tech magazine. Oh, of course, of course. Um, yeah, and so I, course. I got to sh- see Sheryl Sandberg talk, and it was like a cult meeting. Um, <laughs> like, she is... If she's not a true believer in, like, Facebook's mission, then she does a bloody good job pretending to be it. And yeah. it was a little bit like... Yeah, like... She's unnerving, isn't she? Yeah. I've um, only seen very, very brief clips, but you obviously know a lot more than mm. I do, so yeah. yeah. But yeah, I can... I can. Uh, Sarah Silverman's like... I think it's out there casting, but I also think it could 
completely work. I'll tell you why I think it works. Because I'm a genius. Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry is one of the most fascinating individuals in Gone Girl. And it's in one of the I'm like, why don't why, why am I wanting more Tyler Perry? I've never, I've never said that in my life. <laughs> yeah. No, Tyler Perry is fantastic oh, in Gone yeah. Girl. And again, it's like, who do you cast as this cool, edgy lawyer? And he's like, you know, charming mm. and sophisticated and and uh, you know, on the note. And he also can talk to the client properly and, and tries to outfox things. Tyler Perry? Yeah. No, 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 not not Medea. <laughs> yeah, but that I, I think comedians can turn very interesting performances. I think, uh, so, um, yeah, Sarah Silverman would know to well under the direction specifically would give a very interesting performance. I think um, initially you'd have to like you know, without being incredibly cruel, she has to, she'd have to act. She'd have to portray yeah. a different person. I, mean, but I think she could do she it could very act. very she's well. In films entirely, yeah, she's yeah, very good. Absolutely. She's extremely yeah. good. I, I like Silverman a lot. Yeah. So I like that's that's a good shout. Yeah. Um and a final little piece of casting. There will obviously be more members. This is not a full pitch, whatever. There's just kind of key characters in my in my mm. in my little bullet points here. Um Brittany Kaiser, who you may know from oh, yeah. The Great Hack, the Netflix documentary, who was very involved in the whistleblowing of the Cambridge Analytica stuff and this whole bullshit. She's gonna be in, in the film as well. I'm gonna touch upon the Cambridge Analytica stuff, obviously, because I'm going around the congressional hearings mm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm picking another female comedian um, who has also got acting experience and stuff like that. You may know her from 24. You may know her as a stand-up. She's been in loads of stuff. She is Marilyn Ricecub. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. I like her. Whenever I, I like her a lot. I see her and stuff. I found her really fucking annoying in 24, but I think you're supposed yes. to. <laughs> yeah, she plays... That's, I think, when most people are introduced to her and like, oh, fuck you. She's like the office, like touch point for jack the whole time or whenever oh. jack's out on a mission she's there like oh my god jack do the thing yeah whatever she has an expression on her face which is sort of a furrowed brow slash I, I don't understand stash. how she does the thing with her eyebrows where they go up in the middle yeah. i can't <laughs> do that like worried oh no expression like yeah, yeah the, the, the now, very like, very fucking... center of her eyebrows goes up and the rest drops down i'm like how does that yeah. work how do you do that I, with your face i look like a 1900s clown. <laughs> you do you do you're terrifying um, but yeah, that's kind of like the four new characters I want to introduce and have them be a key part of the, mm. of the thing. So like I said, the structure is we're probably open with congressional hearings, kind of similar to the first one, build mm. around that and then, you know, go back as the questions go back and forth. Do you do a freeze of... frame on Zuckerberg's face saying, you may be asking yourself, well, it's a great story. Sit down. As long as in. I remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> oh, no, wait. I don't recall. Brilliant. Thanks, (laughs) Mark. And then the film ends. Um, So yeah, I would want to touch on, I'm basically going to hit like key points in the Facebook history thing. And because it's social network, it doesn't necessarily have to be historically accurate, but I'm going to give rough ideas of like, they talk about uh, shortly after the film ends in like 2007, 2008 is when like face tagging becomes a thing Mm. and they start building uh, facial recognition software into the whole Facebook thing. And it becomes, I think, the largest hub of photos in the world pretty quickly. Mm. And like mm. Flickr and Imager, or however you pronounce that mm. word, I don't think I've ever said it out loud. I- Imger. Merger. Yeah. Um, they get pretty pissed off with Facebook being like, yeah, we have all these photos now. There are more photos on, these, on this social network than your dedicated photo platforms because we have... And the only rival at point was Instagram and then they bought them. <laughs> And I'm going to touch on that as well. The, the, oh, sorry, that yes. was exactly... So in about 2008 or so, and this mm-hmm. is the most social networky thing I've ever read because I actually did some research on this. Mark mm. meets Samberg 
at a fucking party hosted by some other billionaire wank. And just like they get on really well. And he's like, as you said, Tim, she kind of like inspires him to hire him, hire her, sorry. Like Mm. he's not really looking for anything in particular. And they're they're telling, oh, we need a chief operating officer, a COO. Who the fuck are we going to hire? And there's like, we're pushing the boundaries. Who else? There is no one to hire. Like Mm. we are, we are the ones that are, you know, we're we're pushing the. You're in uncharted territory. Kind we're in uncharted territory. Exactly. You can't mm. bring in a tech expert because we're the fucking tech experts. And she goes, "Hello, I'm an executive from the other company. Mm-hmm. We're called Google, and I know what I'm doing. And I've built. I've had like these percentages of expansions in this company since I've been an executive, and we've grown like I think it was like fifteen fold in the six years she was an executive or something crazy. Mm. It's absolutely ridiculous numbers." Mm. And she is the one that really pushes the business. She's basically the Eduardo of this mm. film. She pushes mm. the business side mm. of things. And I really want to play up. And I, again, I don't know if this is true because we don't know if anything of this is true. But touching on the misogyny of the first film, having a really strong, compelling woman step into their like mm. tech office world and just being like, I know how to run this company better than you do, Mark. You yeah. sit there and do your coding. Like I said, kind of like Eduardo does with this whole, mm. I know how the business works. But she really fucking does. And she grows them from like hundreds of millions of dollars to billions and being in the top five companies in the world. Mm. And she's still mm-hmm. there today. Like she is, she is, she transformed that company into the, the tech giant that it is from where we left off essentially from the social network. Yes. Um, kind of unrelated, but Mark gets married like a few years later, I was like, that feels like a weird thing that would come out of nowhere in a social network movie. But mm-hmm. I quite like the idea of him just getting married at some point. And I don't know if like one of the characters in the social network, like based on his wife, there's very little information about their relationship because mm-hmm. as we said, he's so enigmatic, but mm. you can tie that in. His, his wife, Priscilla can, can show up. She's also some huge philanthropist billionaire. Yeah, surprise, well, they're, surprise. they're at the kind of level where, like, you not only buy a luxurious house, you buy the houses that are all around it, so you know you won't be spied on by paparazzi kind of thing. So Correct. Yeah. They, they you own stay an entire ex- city block or neighbourhood. Yeah, they stay yeah. extremely private. Yeah, they've got kids, and, like, you, there are no photos of their kids, which yeah. I can, I couldn't respect more, personally. Mm. I think privacy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, except it's, they own a company. Yeah, and, which, and then, and then yeah, we get into that stuff. Shit. Yeah. Then we get into all the controversy and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they famously did like experiments on users in like the early, mm-hmm. the, the late 2000s, early 2010s, where they would like basically psychologically experiment on their users without permission and just be like, okay, yep. so we, we select these million people at random and we like artificially change them, manually change their feed to all negative news and then see how they react. And it's very much a case of it's more of the Mark Zuckerberg like acting before thinking kind of thing, mm. not thinking about the consequences to the humans behind the technology and kind of tying mm. into him being this whole like, mm. you've barely got any of my attention, you don't deserve it kind of thing. Like, oh yeah, they're just numbers. You know, pick a million people, we'll just sort it out. I can see Eisenberg going very Exactly, well. yeah. And him playing that kind of cold, well, we need to expand and, and having Sandberg kind of driving him in that direction and how are we going to expand? How are we going to change? How do we grow Facebook mm. and all this kind of stuff? I think like and this is this is thinking about it from a as a 
fictional film that's following on from the fictional social web network rather than thinking of and uh, think of it that's in those kind of story terms from, yeah, yeah. rather than thinking about like okay how do we accurately represent these people because you know we don't have all the facts of their lives but i think that you can quite easily have the angle be like as the the bigger and bigger facebook gets the more pressure is on him and he starts, even though he is a person who's like, no, got to push the boundaries, got to expand and stuff like that, having it kind of overtake him and have, you know, if you That's want an arc to your film. Exactly like, what I'm aiming for, yeah. And, and, yeah. and it gives you a reason why you can have the characterization be different in the congressional hearings than it has been previously, because it's like him finally realizing, like, I don't have, I don't have the, my hand on the rudder anymore. I am not in control of this thing that I have made. That That is how I would explain away the know-it-all Zuckerberg from the first film mm. turning into the I'm afraid, I'm not sure, mm. I don't know. Maybe some of my people did. Mm. Uh, I don't recall. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't know. I don't recall. Over, <laughs> as you said to him, over and over and over again, that is his answer to so many questions. You just get the impression that, like, is he running the company? Like, is he the mm. guy? Or is it the other people behind the scenes who are not sat on this mm. chair in front of us? Like, I can see an Aaron Sorkin exchange very, with any other character close to him mm. where he says, I want to do this, you know, to ex exploit the user data and stuff and just put negative news. that they're not a rats and they're not rats in a maze, Mark. Mm. I said, yeah, but I made the maze. No, Mark. You're one of the rats. Yeah. You may think you've built this maze for others, but you're in it too. Yeah. All humans are rats and that's, yeah, yeah. you can't <laughs> you, escape you, it. You've created cause... this thing that's now, it's not a maze, it's a prison. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That, that kind of, you know, yeah. exchange and that yeah. realisation, I could see that yeah. being like, oh, it's, it's, I don't, it's like you couldn't stop this thing even if you wanted mm. to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you also can touch on kind of, uh, uh, you mentioned Instagram earlier, Matt. So that moment, they mm. they go public in 2012, Facebook becomes a public company mm. and the stock market crashes because their stock just drops off the face of the earth and mm. it, there's a huge, really controversial thing. And that is apparently something Sandberg pushed for. So mm. that creates tension in the in the offices and in the meetings there as well. You get yep. her being this driving force and Zuckerberg being like, no, it's just me and my bros and all this kind <laughs> of stuff. And her being like, we, if we take this public, we get these shares, we do this thing, you can, you know, you, you become a billionaire rather than just a guy who has... Because like Eduardo does like, where's the money, Mark? Mm. Where is the money? You're just a guy sat in a room with a blah 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 and all this kind of stuff. Like yeah. they were there when you go public, you get stocks, you get shares, you mm. get actual. Well, that's someone phrase. with an actual idea mm. is met by somebody who knows how to run a fucking company. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you get that conflict there as well. Um, mm. And then they expand by Instagram. They also buy WhatsApp a few years later as well. And that's really then again tying into the kind of not quite monopolizing, but that that's how the senators address it. Like, do you think you have a monopoly, Mr. Zuckerberg? It's like, well, no. Have you heard of Twitter and all these other stuff? Like, yeah. yeah. But you you tie into that nicely. You see him expanding and, and, and Sandberg being a driving force behind all of that. And then going to the senators and being like, well, you, you own WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook. This There's a couple mm. of other companies they own. There's like a... There's a data processing company that they bought from like China and stuff. It's all mm. very weird. And you're like, yeah, you build it all around that. And then it kind of culminates with the testimonies and stuff from Kaiser and the other whistleblowers from the Cambridge mm. Analytica mm. stuff. And I would kind of, I, I, don't, I don't know if I dare like culminate it with like 
a lot of the Trump stuff that happened and the all the election shit that happened and kind of tie into that. And that's where I would kind of maybe not do the freeze frame thing, but kind mm. of do the kind of do the freeze frame thing with it tying into the politics and it mm. kind of yeah. affecting all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I would absolutely see that film. So, <laughs> yeah. like I said, I, I think that ties fairly well into the first one. Right? No, honestly, that, that feels like a, a, a part two. Yeah, that feels like the next Pretty thing, much. and that feels like the most likely thing to come out of a scene. I think that's exactly what we're pronouncing. Yeah, brought back the same team. It's going to be the same, similar kind of vibe. So that's what yeah. kind of what I was thinking. And it, it was those, is those little moments, just those little bullet points, were like the moments of tension that make it not a fucking documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the bits that make it interesting. Yeah. So mine is very similar to Jack's, partly because we're dealing with history. It's not like mm. saying, "Oh, what would you do with the next Power Rangers thing?" Oh, well, uh, it's like. Yes, there are things you can do, go along lines. And obviously, I know Tim might do something very different, but if you're tracking the course of history, you find the next big talking point of a story. And I was like, well, this is it. So um, I, I have a very similar, uh, a very, a very similar um, scope. Yeah, effectively, and covers the same sort of stuff. There, there are a few little differences. Um, and most specifically, that comes down to the narrative framework. That's the difference. I, rather than uh, adopting a social network framework, I have decided to go with the Steve Jobs framework. Oh, interesting. So, Which is another, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Another Sorkin. Yep. Yeah, so Aaron Sorkin also did a Steve Jobs uh, biopic, mm -hmm. and he did it with um, Danny Boyle directing. Mm. Different film entirely. Michael Fassbender plays Steve Jobs. Not, not, not the Ashton Kutcher one. Not the Ashton, no, Ashton Kutcher one. one. Yeah. Which again would have been it makes sense because the casting's really good mm. in that one, but the problem is that the story is just eh. Yeah. Sorky doesn't understand what Macs are. <laughs> he doesn't understand how important they are. He doesn't know shit, but he knows an arsehole when he sees one. And he knows someone who's got like a real vision, a real a real driving force, but also a very flawed individual. And he can really drive that. And again, so historical accuracy. Like Who the fuck knows? 2015, I want to say. Is it like five years later? I think so. I think it's yes. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of movie, it's interesting because it's about three distinct launches. Mm. And it's very, it's very, it feels very small in scope because of it. So Steve Jobs at different ages launching different things. Um, and it defines him as a person, his, his relationships everyone around him. And it's all before these events. You don't see the talks themselves. You see the fall, them discussing the fallout over the years. People, he's, he's you know you know allies he's fallen out with you see um the prep work going into it and you see the working behind the scenes you don't see the play you see them designing the set that kind of thing mm. and it creates a very different atmosphere and i would very heavily be leaning in on that so my thing is a is actually about three separate hearings effectively although the last the last one is a sort of amalgamation of two and it's you don't really see the hearings properly you hear all the preparation going into it and the fallout mm. from each hearing. So you wouldn't really, unlike say, like Jackson, for example, you'd have like the Zuckerberg. You literally side have side, Zuckerberg so sat in the chair mm. and AOC yeah. asking questions and that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 I might have like a shot or two of him going into the chair and having all the press coming in close, wiping and, the, the slime off his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Android fluid. <laughs> I've decided to go for a different angle, basically. So it would be something I'm more akin to the Steve Jobs narrative structure and framework as opposed to the social network one, just to do something different. Now, here's the other thing I'm doing differently. I'm going to have said this film is one of the things that Sorkin's like, I need to do this. I need to write this script. It has to be me, and I want to talk about it. And I need to do it now. It's important I do it now. I can't do it because I've just directed 
Molly's game, and I'm going on to direct the trial of Chicago Seven. Here, Matt, you do it instead. <laughs> oh, well, you know, yeah. I, I don't. In fact, I wouldn't want to. I don't want to do too big. Fincher can't do it because he's working on Mank. It's his far, his dead father's script. It's a very important yep. thing for him. He's not going to be like detracted from that at this point. So I had to bring in a new director, which is a very. It's a bold choice. Mm-hmm. You know, bold, we said Fincher has been a go-to for mm. sequelizers for many years. Yeah. So I went with a, I went with a different choice, and uh, I'm also having this released in January 2020. Oh, interesting! Okay. Of, while the cinemas are still open, <laughs> and Oscar contender sort of shit. Right. Yeah. I think this will be pushing, and and in the same way that in 2017, just as Trump came into power. The Post came out from Spielberg, all about the press, all about freedom of the press, all about the idea that this voice, all about the Watergate scandal stuff, and um, and well, partly about that, but also about the um, the the Pentagon Papers and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was very much around the time of like your fake news, your fake news. It's like holy shit, this feels really yeah relevant. So with that in mind. This film I've chosen to be directed by Bennett Miller. Excellent choice. Interesting. You may say to yourself, yeah. I don't know who that is. Um, he has directed very, very few films. Yeah. I know. I know th- I've seen three. I know. Yeah. He's, he's done, well, he's done a documentary, but basically, there's the other one. So that doesn't necessarily, not necessarily not matter, mm. but it's a 76 minute documentary. So, yeah. But the key films he's done, everything he's done has been Oscar glory. Yeah, it's really been good. Critical acclaim. Yeah. He directed in 2005 Capote with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. 2011, he directed Moneyball with Brad Pitt. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah, of course. <laughs> and in 2014, he directed Foxcatcher. Yeah. And those three films are bleak and interesting and a very different pace, but I think he can definitely work a Sorkin script sort of thing. All based on real life. Very All based true, on real yeah. life. Like dramas and tension based on real life events that have somewhat been fictionalized, mm-hmm. and again, not to do the whole oh comedians turning drama and that oh, kind of stuff. God, no, there Steve is Carell is fucking brilliant in Foxcatcher, and Steve Carell can be a real pain in the ass on mm. screen for me sometimes. I find him very hit and miss, and I think he's fantastic in Foxcatcher. Yeah, he is. That, that, I, I, felt, I also felt that Channing Tatum was a bit overlooked in that film because he did really well. Yeah, he did. Well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think because because. Um, Carell is the and Ruffalo yeah. and, and Ruffalo yeah um, yeah Ruffalo looks so weird in that film with the big beard and like yeah um, that Steve Carell like changed his look and he is the like oh yeah it's the, you know he's a four year old virgin and all this kind of stuff oh no he's not and I think that's why he stood out so much but you're right Channing Tatum is fantastic in that film as they're well. all great yeah. in that film I think the problem is because it's such a shift from what we've seen like from The Office mm. it's like oh no it's not that's not that thing yeah. similarly Moneyball got fucking Jonah Hill on Oscar not mm. um I think I think he's the right helmsman, mm. shall we say, to do something different. Now, my biggest problem with this is I haven't got a good title. I don't like the Social Network too, no. but I feel like it needs to have something. And it doesn't I, actually. I need... didn't even think about a title until we started recording. It's hard, and I isn't was it? Like, I hate the Social Network too as well. Mm. But I do worry if you get. I mean, we talked about this plenty of times before. If you get away from that phrase. Do people not realise it's a sequel to the Social Network? And well, actually, I like... would put Facebook back into it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not Face, sure what it would the be. The story but... of Facebook or Facebook colon the blah 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 or whatever that kind of thing. I I might actually want to call it the Facebook, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so casting. It's called for you. Social Network. Just lose the the. It's much much catchier. 
It's called the social networks. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So, um, is that how your mum says it, like the Facebooks, the Facebooks, yeah. the book faces. So, um, as I said earlier, I think this has blown up that it's no longer Mark's story. Uh, so, Mr. Zuckerberg is only really a part of it. Oh, interesting. It's a bigger investigation. In the same way that Foxcatcher, the main person you follow around isn't uh, Steve Carell's yeah. character. It's technically um, Channing Tatum's. But then it becomes more like, but this creepy guy on the side, he's, mm-hmm. he's, who is this fucking guy? Um, even Capote. I mean, yeah, it's about Truman Capote, kind of, but it's more about the the crime being brought there's a lot going on basically so it's it's like who would you say is mainly so yeah so mark zuckerberg is not as he's in all of it but he's not in all of the hearings mm, shall we say yeah so real real life people uh mark zuckerberg being played by jesse eisenberg simple as that obviously he might yeah. be the only returning actor slash character wow. i think I can't think of anyone else who we'd need to bring back Fair in terms enough. of... Yeah, m- mine would bring back, obviously, the other guys who are in Facebook who you don't really like. Yeah. You know, there's Dustin and a couple of other people that are, like, mm. there in the background. I would bring back those people as well, but I'm guessing you're yeah. not... You're basically not in the Facebook offices in the same way that my not, picture would I mean, be. So. You'll see flashes of it, but I don't think enough of it to make it worth Interesting. digging down on. Just get some extras, so, you'll be fine. Yeah, be fine. <laughs> um, Christopher Wiley. Um, he is uh, one of the whistleblowers mm. with regards to yep. Cambridge Analytica. Played by Cole Sprouse. Oh, I like Cole Sprouse a lot. Mm. I think everyone's going to know him at the minute from um, Riverdale. Riverdale, this Jughead. Um, but obviously, his his career started much much earlier. And I think the other thing people will probably um, know him from effectively, Zach and Cody. Yeah, yeah. Sweet Life of Zach and yeah. Cody, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, and obviously, Big Daddy as well. That I think would be the one that people. Would be like, oh, the kid from fucking Big Daddy, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> from Big Daddy. Um, but you're right, yeah. So, so um, him coming in as, um, and 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 I should point out that um, Christopher Wiley is a Canadian dude. He's got very distinct look and things like that. He's, he's very young, obviously being a tech guy. So I think he's he's he could bring a lot of air to that. So the next is Mike Schrupfer. Schroepfer, I believe. Schroepfer, Schroepfer. And he is the CTO of Facebook at the minute. Mm, yes. And I'm having him played by Sam Troughton. Sam Troughton is, oddly enough, he was in Mank <laughs> uh, in a small role. Um, he is, I think the best way to look at him is if you if you Google a picture of, of Mike um, Schroepfer, he looks like the typical tech kind of person that you'd expect <laughs> to see. Glasses and kind of receding hair. Looks like he's in his 30s, a sort of geeky, nerdy guy. Like, yeah, okay, makes sense. Um, Trout, however, has been in a handful of things, but most notably, if you look at his look for most recent years in things like Chernobyl. So he has that look, I think. And also his, as a kind of, a, he is literally a Shakespearean actor. I think he can play, um, obviously a wide range of stuff as it is. And the role in question, we'll see what he actually, his involvement is a little later. Um, then we have a bit of crossover with Mr. Chambers here. We've got Brittany Kaiser coming hey. in, also another Cambridge Analytica whistleblower she's a more controversial one though because unlike wiley who's put himself on the line and done lots of things and 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 of its pieces she seems to be very much a if you hear other interviews about her she seems very self-serving and like she really oh, she's does yeah. yeah she's very she's a millionaire now and all this kind of stuff is like mm. exactly yeah um so it's i i would like to portray it with that air of like do we trust this person is she I, I actually thinking, doing the I was right thinking thing along the similar sort of lines as well yeah, yeah. 
Because I think I think the the documentary Great Hack kind of touches on that a little bit. Oh, it well. does. Really it does, and it does, and it lets you decide as yeah. well. It very yeah. much just what do you think? So I wanted to go for someone again, a similar mindset of um, uh, of going with a comedian, um, but someone who just has a very clear look at her face, like "fuck you," and I don't give a shit what you think, and also "fuck off." So I went with Natasha Leone. Oh yes, amazing. Yeah. Who I think is fantastic. Orange yeah. is the new black. Russian doll. Yeah. Loads of amazing American stuff. pie. Yeah, she's brilliant. American <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think that's sardonic. So I think she could play that really well. Mm. I think she would have to probably do the typical Aaron, Aaron Sorkin thing and she'd become much more sarcastic as a character mm. rather than the actual representation of Brittany Kaiser. Another huge thing is obviously the fact that Wiley, when he did break the stuff with the Cambridge Analytica stuff, it went out to the Observer under Carol Cadwallader, who is a British journalist. And that leak is a big part of it. We're not just talking about the hearings, we're talking about the leaks as well, um, and the, and the whistleblowing stuff and the whole reveal of it. And she's she's still been championing this stuff to to this day. She's done court cases with like Aaron Banks, other huge yeah, yeah, yeah. Brexit leave EU people. So she's a champion for that kind of stuff. Um, and this is one of those moments, much like the, the Sarah Silverman cast. It's like the ones like Jesus. This is the perfect casting in my mind. They're but the same fucking age, and they look very similar. So Carol Cadwalder, I'm having played by. Naomi Watts. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that makes okay. a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a hell of a um, lot of sense. Again, if you see them both, it's like you know, um, good-looking, smart, confident blonde women in their fifties, and like, yeah. Last thing is a Sheryl Sandberg. I put this in last edition because I was like, actually, I don't know if she's gonna be as heavily involved as Jack one. It would cut away to her as such, um, but she'd still be a member of the the conversation. And again, went for someone of similar age. Similar standing, also of 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 Jewish descent. I went Jennifer Connolly. Hey, nice. Oh, okay. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's my cast. Now my script is a very my synopsis is a very loose thing. So I'm going to describe to you the hearings, the dates they took place, and then the actual conversations that go around it. So, for example, hearing about it's blocked out into three distinct things in the same way that the three Apple launch. Well, not even Apple. One of them isn't Apple at all. The three Jobs launches in the film Steve Jobs. So thing number one. 27th of March, 2018. It'll be the stuff building up to uh, Christopher Wiley revealing to the UK Parliament that political consulting firm Cambridge Analytica has harvested 59 million Facebook profiles and personal information without authorization in 2014 to build a system to be used in the upcoming US election. Um, the FTC immediately at that point announced an investigation and Facebook loses $50 billion in stock. It just tanks yep. because like you, you, your companies are what? So that's like, this is end of March. Mm. And we have the conversation around it. We'd have obviously Wiley being coached and talking to and him in, in the same way, like in the post, for example, when you've got someone who's got this information that's leaked, they're going to the press and that kind of like, you know, all, all the president's men kind of thing. <clears throat> so him and Cadwallader, that kind of stuff. And it probably would be the part we get to the historical inaccurate elements. It's the fantastical mm. version of how do we think this would look? Yeah. Like, What's happening behind the scenes? Yes. In the same way that the, the, the Oliver Stone Snowden film. Oh, where yeah. Where they have yeah. the Guardian as well. It's like, With the, you know, how do you... Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? Yeah, yeah. He's great. He's great in that film. He is good. That's, I was a bit disappointed with that. Movie. I, I, just, I just, don't think the film is that good, but I think JGL is brilliant. Yeah, precisely. And I think we'd, we'd, we'd bring a lot of that in there, that, that mindset of how do we make this very boring, long-winded, tedious thing over a long period of time of multiple articles and that stuff, make it interesting for an audience to talk about? And they'd be talking about, okay, this is the hearing tomorrow. You're going to be in front of the UK. And this is the kind of want, want to be a bit of a bell curve here. We start with the UK Parliament hearings. Because at that point in America... That is quite a diversion, care. isn't it? Because 
the social network like, oh my god, it's available in the UK, and mm. you get that little, oh, we go to the the boats with Cambridge and all that kind of stuff, yep. and you get that little English moment, and you can kind of reflect that in a very different way, and you see the how Britain is responding to that. You, again, you see the British side of things, I guess, for want a better phrase, for this film, and that's a really interesting way of doing it, and kind of, again, kind of reflecting the original, not as directly as I did, but mm. you're still like connecting that little the threads are still there kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we have this first hearing, all that stuff, and it feels like, wait, we're about half an hour, 45 minutes into this this Facebook movie. There's no Zuckerberg. And no one from Facebook is here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which brings us to the middle bit. Um, hearing number two, 10th of April. 15 days later, Mark Zuckerberg has to attend con- congressional hearings about privacy violations and advertising liberties. Um, and Zuckerberg's manner is obviously not well received by Congress, and he tries to defend the business model yep. and claims that users have control over their data, as well as rudimentary questions about how the fucking internet works. <laughs> so it would be the converse. I think you'd see either side of it. You'd see, in, in, the, in the same way that um, Sorkin does with uh, the trial stuff in um, the trial of the Chicago 7. Obviously, a lot of it is in the courtroom, but some of it just cuts from, you know, you don't actually see the incident in the park that led to the riots, effectively, and the things that actually you know, caused the trial in the first mm-hmm. place. You see them describing it. It cuts to Sasha Baron, Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen's character discussing it in uh, to, to almost like a group of uh, people come to hear him, like almost like a stand-up kind of thing. And you've got the lawyers describing it. It's all the different perspectives coming to one thing, and you get glimpses glim- glim- mm-hmm. of it that way. So it would be the same way with, you, with, the, with the actual Zuckerberg trial. Mm. him getting coaching maybe from sandberg or something like that and it would be um you know this is this is going out this is crazy we've lost money you need to fix this and say like, okay well it's really important can i can i can i have a cushion it's like it doesn't fucking matter about your stupid yeah. fucking cushion save the fucking company <laughs> you dickhead and it's like okay well what happens if it's like just so you know they may ask some stupid questions been filled the questions like what, what what do you mean these are people who don't know how to use the internet you know that kind of stuff it's like yeah. i don't understand how can i talk to people it's like and then you'd have like flash forwards and things like that for instance like you know what was i supposed to say i don't know just it's like what how's your business model run uh Hmm. we run ads senator that's the you know it would be that kind of almost the locker room Hmm. pre and post the game you wouldn't see the match Hmm. you just see the the fallout yep that makes sense and the third part is actually split into two so the idea is that you'd have the eight sorry it's 17th of april 2018 and the 26th of april 2018 thereabouts and we're back in the uk um and we have so many things cutting over this i know they probably interlap over each other um in a very well, not not confusing way but because the, the the uk hearings are held in the same kind of side rooms um mm. very you know you associate with britain with uh lots of majesty and tradition and wooden back building yes. but the the contemporary offices are really fucking boring um you imagine like swords on the wall and just, just crown jewels just lying around like I mean, really it just looks like a geography classroom it really does <laughs> these green stuff and yet you've had yeah. like the murdoch trials and there are all kinds of things there's like what yeah. the fuck so before the uk parliament you would have uh two different things one is the cto mike schroepfer um standing in for zuckerberg in front of uk parliament because obviously he's too busy with the american congress he can't go so they send the cto and he gives various testimonies one thing he talks about is dark ads and celebrity names and likenesses being used to calculate spam and or malicious adverts. There's a thing over here about Martin Lewis. It's like, oh, I've never... And he's like a, a money-saving expert is his sort of brand over here mm. in Britain. 
but he's always been very careful what he puts his name on. And of course, Facebook's like, oh, we just took your face and slapped it on something. It's like, what? It's like, oh yeah, we approved these adverts. It's like, well, it's not our job to tell what, say what is and isn't truth. And it's like, um, if your platform is pushing it, yes, you fucking are. Mm. And there's mm. that, that pushback sort of thing. And the government saying like, well, do you know how many this, that, and the other? And he, he did come up with actual, I think the first actual figures, shall we say, of like, oh, well, I think it's this. And I was like, excuse me? That kind of oh. thing. Um, and the same time, we'll have the Cambridge Analytica, the whistleblower, Brittany Kaiser, but a bit more of a self-serving kind of thing, um, directly linking the Facebook data harvesting to the Brexit referendum and Trump's election as president. So this wouldn't be a sort of like, oh, maybe this is like, no, these dark ads, malicious things, they are crossover. So we'd have like oh. um, pre, post, don't talk about this. Well, God's sake, no, that's like, what am I supposed to say? I mean, you know, lying to British Parliament. I don't know. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's not American soil. It's like, well, it might as well be. You know, mm. I'm saying this on, on oath. It's like, it's not our soil. Who gives a shit? That kind of shit, you know? And then you'd have one side of him saying things like, oh, well, obviously these things could have created stuff, but no one would have known what the fallout was. And then Kaiser saying, this directly influenced the Brexit referendum for the Leave campaign. This directly, you know, did the, the election for the Trump campaign and, mm -hmm. and you know, all the stuff with supposed outside involvement for other countries and nations and add money coming from various places and blah, 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 blah. True or not, Moscow or not, whatever it is, you know, it'll all be coming through mm -hmm. this. Um, and all of this would culminate with the film closing with the statements um, that the same methods are still legal and will still likely be in place for the 2020 US election. It would be the kind of thing like the big short ending by saying, oh, by the mm. way, all this shit is still going on. Yeah. These, these, yeah. these junk bond things are happening again, mm. much higher and much worse. So it's, this, I think, is one of those things that Sorkin would get the script written as a cautionary tale in the lead up to the what would become the Biden-Trump election campaign mm. so ultimately it would be much more in the way of a steve jobs kind of thing where it doesn't actually show you the direct impact because you've already lived your life you know that stuff you know about these series you know about where you stand on brexit or trump or whatever it is and you have a facebook account but i would like to have that air of like you do realize what this is doing right you do realize, mm. oh you saw more ads than you thought and then but you have all the background conversations toward it and around it rather than the very arguably stale i mean of course your your your, your version of the c-span would be much more sexed up much more interesting much more engaging much more <laughs> entertaining to watch and my thing goes a step further and says you don't need to see that because it's a news report we'll go with the background you know it's always someone walking off stage and saying what the fuck are you thinking that kind of thing is what i would be more interested in showing i think definitely what bennett miller might have a, a hand in showing so that would be what i would do interesting tim i'm very curious about your different route yeah because i feel like like i said i think starting off with mine just from our little preamble bit mine sounds the closest to the original film mm -hmm. matt's is definitely a step away and zuckerberg is barely in it whereas zuckerberg is very present in mine yes mm -hmm. i am very intrigued by you mr Mayton. what you what have you got for us i am going for more of a spiritual sequel than a direct sequel. Mm. We did briefly talk about this when we came up with the idea. We did. And I think one of us said, like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be Facebook. You just capture them. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. And I love that mm. one of us has gone for it. I'm intrigued. Um, so I would keep, I would have it be a Fincher direction and I would have it be Sorkin working on the script as well. Sure, um, sure. Probably this would be a future production, the sort of 22... All right, mate. Twenty three. Stealing my thunder. How dare you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and rather than focusing on Facebook, 
and the consequences of all their shenanigans. Mine would be much more about the Silicon Valley culture. And it would be about Uber. Oh, wow. Very interesting. Interesting. Um, Which is kind of interesting because we're in Norwich and Norwich doesn't have Uber. No, we don't. Um, So it's not really a thing that we encounter in the day to day. But um, it is something that I wrote a lot about when I was writing uh, about technology and and apps and stuff. Um, And they have had a real roller coaster ride uh, and a lot of drama surrounding them. Mm. Um, And I would have... Uh, Travis Kalanick would be my my essentially my Zuckerberg for this okay. film. He was mm, the yeah. CEO up until 2017, mm-hmm. um, and in fact, uh, still a board member until uh, Christmas Eve 2019 uh, was when he finally yeah. divested from the company, sold his last shares, yeah. and left the board. Um, I'd be curious who you see in cast because I actually immediately whenever I think about this guy's mm-hmm. face, I'm always like, huh. I would cast this dude, so I'm curious where you're going. Oh, interesting. Well, I, yeah, I had a few well. different ideas. The one that I think probably works best uh, is Topher Grace. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, interesting. Who can do I can see that. kind of uh, slimy asshole pretty well. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, he was recently in a Black Mirror episode where he played basically like a tech CEO. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I've only uh, cast one other ca- character, um, who is Garrett Camp, who is basically the the tech brain. Essentially, Travis Kalanick is kind of like if you took the business savvy of Eduardo, uh, and mm-hmm. married it to the lack of morals of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas Garrett Camp is the is the kind of the actual technical mind behind Uber. Okay. Um, and I to connect to some of the films we've already talked about. I think Jonah Hill would actually make a pretty good casting for him. Oh yeah, okay. yes. He looks like fucking T.J. Miller though. That, that, he like, does. I, he I, does I wouldn't look actually like cast T.J. Miller. Miller but, yeah, but I wouldn't cast no, him because he's an asshole. No, exactly. Um, yes. So yeah, I, I, there's a really like Uber. You know, in very much in the mindset of the move fast and break things. Um, I don't have a kind of solid structure that I've planned out, but it would essentially cover the 10 years from when it fa- the company founds in 2009 to Kalanick, like finally leaving the board at the end of 2019. We've got a nice 10-year time span where essentially the company takes off, gets into trouble, and decides to boot him in an effort to save itself, basically. Um and over the course of that, you've got stuff like them clashing with unions over um, how they operate. Yeah. You know, they're, they're essentially like the full blown like taxi driver protests in Europe yeah. over London coming to that, town. Yeah. They got kicked out of a few cities in America for not having like proper yeah. protocols that didn't. Yeah. I remember Austin, Texas was kind of famous for like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we're not doing it anymore. So. Mm. You can't, so fuck off. And they went, we will then. Yeah. And then li- basically Lyft, the competitor, took over in yeah. parts mm-hmm. of Texas because of that. Yeah. You have the a, a very common trait to these technology companies, which is that they are making huge losses in order to basically destroy the market and, and become the only competitor. They are just yes. pumping money down a black hole with the idea that once they get big enough, they can then ramp up their prices because they've destroyed all the competition so you have stuff like in in 
the first quarter of 2017, Uber lost over $700 million three months. Um, and that's not, that's, not because, <laughs> that's not because something went wrong. That is just what their operating budget was, just like flushing yes, money down the same drain. Same thing basically. with Facebook. I think mm. Mark Zuckerberg said like, they became a profitable company in like 2010 or something ridiculous. Like, yeah, they made basically no profit for years and years and I years. Mean, it's weirdly kind of true for art as well. If you're a musician or a podcaster or a filmmaker mm-hmm. or another, so the independent scene of things, like you ain't making no money for quite some time, <laughs> son. Even yeah. if you sell out to like AT and T, it's gonna be quite a while before you see any. Because what you're offering mm. is not actually unique, even if it's like a storytelling or whatever it is, or the product you're selling, because there's no actual. Mm. Uh, you can't corner the market in a song, basically. Mm. You could do well with a song, but you can't really yeah. do those kind of numbers, basically. Yeah. Mm. Um, Uber is involved in multiple hacking and corporate espionage allegations. Um, there's basically yeah. a kind of ongoing... I think it's settled now, but uh, essentially it was thought that they had stolen Google's self-driving car technology um, or elements <laughs> of it, um, which was a long-running court mm. case. Uh, they got uh, investigated by the U.S. Department of Justice because they used technology to uh, essentially work out where things like um, traffic cameras and restri- places where they weren't allowed to operate, they would use technology to help them avoid the police, and so they could still operate there in basically like a shadow service. Um, they got hacked with a massive data leak at one point and paid out $100,000 to the hackers to delete the data and not reveal that they had like found a security flaw, basically, um, which didn't come out until a couple of years later. And then you also have... So that that's all professional misconduct, essentially. And then you also have Travis Kalanick's personal misconduct, where he's been accused of sexual harassment and bullying um there was a very famous blog post about the just incredibly toxic work environment there which led to him essentially being thrown to the walls by the board because they were like you have become a liability at this point and yeah we need to, we're going to kick you off out of the company in order to try and save some kind salvage some kind of reputation um and so basically there's a lot of fodder there um, and I yeah, think definitely. this is someone of huge ego in a place with a lot of money, and that is exactly where Aaron Sorkin and 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 Fincher could make a lot of. They could spin mm. a lot of hay. Yeah, I remember um, first hearing his name was in 2016 when he was part of that board of like tech giants who was the economic advisory board for Trump. Mm-hmm. It was like Elon Musk and. The JP Morgan, the General Motors people, all these fucking huge Bob Iger from Disney, all these huge fucking titans of industry being like brought on. And mm. eventually they all like had he did some executive orders and they all had fallings out and all this kind of shit. And I remember and then it was a few years later or a year later, or whatever it was, with the sexual allegation stuff and the whole thing, like I said, with Austin mm. and Uber and all that sort of stuff. That's when he first came into mind. So you could even tie it into the Trump stuff. There's mm. maybe don't literally have Trump in there. But I know yeah. him, him being like, he was quite like vocally opposed to some of the stuff Trump was doing, but was still kind of on board with some of the stuff. And it's mm. like, like you said, you get that weird ego thing of like, are you for yourself? Are you for the business? Do you give a shit? And I think that ties in really yeah. well with the themes of social network. And you get Definitely. that spiritual successor mm. there of like, 
right, so you're willing to cut off all these people and compromise your values and all this kind of stuff because you get some recognition, you get a few more million dollars or whatever it is. That is such mm. a like, oh, that's the that's the delicious little details of social network that, that tie really well into this, I think. That works yeah. really well. And he's even more of an asshole than Zuckerberg because yeah. Zuckerberg is just kind of a bit of a weirdo and a geek and a bit of an asshole. Mm. Yeah. But this guy is like, as you said, built a a bro toxic masculinity entrenched mm. culture within his system where mm. he was taking sexual allegation uh, sexual harassment allegations and then just kind of ignoring them because they're his mates and like that's yeah. how giant tech companies are run by a bunch of dudes and no women ever show up in these companies because it's mm-hmm. horrible yeah. and gross and they just perpetuate this circle of mm. friends i mean Again, not to go off on too much of a tangent, it happened with the video game company Ubisoft last oh, year. God, yeah. And that was a whole fucking thing. And they'd built this, and it's very, very similar. And unfortunately, very common in such a male dominated industry like the tech world, you get these huge companies that are founded by fucking dudes and bros and and tech nerds who are like incels and all this kind of shit. And then you get this mm. horrible, toxic environment. They build I think that is that is rich, ripe storytelling that is a nut is a brilliant little twist on the social network formula. I really like the idea, Tim. Yeah, um and I think I would want I would want to get a uh a female perspective um in there. Um uh let me find the name of the I was going to say, were you going to do like an actual person from the company where you do like what Bombshell did, whereas people plus a fictional version, they could say, well, this is going to get sued because it's a fictional victim. That kind of mindset. Mm. Yeah, there was... uh, He had an ex-girlfriend and got involved in everything, and I remember that kind of like trying to silence There was a woman who did... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a blog post that became Susan Fowler, former former Uber engineer Susan Fowler, um, stated she was subjected to sexual harassment by a manager and subsequently threatened with termination of employment by another manager if she continued to report the incident. Uh, and um, she did a kind of blog post to basically bring bring it to everyone's attention. Um, mm, so I mm. potentially make her. Potent- either either use her or do the kind of uh what they did with Margot Robbie in Bombshell um and have her oh, have a character yeah, yeah, who's yeah, kind of like of this is an avatar for all of those issues precisely um, you have a lot of real world examples but she's the same like we can safely say this without a lawsuit but we also know there are individuals who did suffer these sort of things yeah yes yeah um so yeah so i think i think getting a female perspective on what these cultures are like would also be important. Sorkin's not traditionally great at writing women, but um, I think that would be an important part of this. So, but yeah, so that I thought that is an area that is so ripe for drama. Um, I'm just, mm. yeah, I'm just, uh, just to add to the pile of gross shit from Kaldenick. Turns out he's a huge fan of Ayn Rand. So there oh, you yeah, go. he's a massive oh, libertarian. That, yeah. If that fucking libertarian object, objectivist bin. wanker. So yep. There you go. Surprise, fucking surprise. Mm-hmm. Who was who was your casting, by the way, that you mentioned you had? Because it's someone, it's he's I looked at a picture and I was like, you definitely remind me of someone, but I can't quite remember who it is. So maybe it will 
So I believe as a casting choice. Now this is the trick. My cast is probably actually too old for this, mm. but because he's in his mid forties at the moment. So. Yeah, the guy yeah. I'm casting yeah. is in his uh, mid fifties. Um, you can, you so, can work with that, depending on. Oh no, you definitely can, mm. and I think. But they, the, the, he looks so much like him. It's like it's. So this is he's a picture what, of ten years older than Zuckerberg at that point. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> of uh, Kalanick for the group to look at, and this is a picture of Kyle Chandler. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I can definitely Kyle see that. Chandler. Kyle Chandler from things like Super Eight and uh, other bits and pieces. Friday Night Lights. Exactly, um, and he has that energy where he can be like you know a mm -hmm. distant dad and like mm -hmm. super he's in wolf of wall street as well i recognized mm. him from that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he's an fbi agent in that thing yeah yeah and i i think he has that sort of he's that sort of 50s 40s presence of like i hate to say this it's like because i'm not disparaging against this person i'm just saying that if i was to say i need mm. someone who can play an alcoholic actor in the 40s who's abusive yeah <laughs> Carl Chandler? It's like, yeah, he could do that well. And that's an awful thing to say, because it's like, well, obviously I'm not saying he is like that as an individual or as a person. Mm -hmm. that, but I think, I think he has that sort of, not timeless, but a very specific look that you don't see. That's him in uh, Carol, isn't he? He plays the... In Carol, exactly. Yeah, God, Carol's such a fucking great film. Um, but yes, he's... He, he's um, and also, if you think about who he is in Game Night as well, um, mm. this fuck-up brother who's also yeah, like, yeah. Bit of like a showy... <laughs> Silicon Valley esque kind of character. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. all flash, it, yeah. you know. And uh, but he looks a lot younger than he actually is. Hmm. No, that's I that's like a really that good shout. Actually, show. I like that. Weirdly enough, to to tie into um, uh, to game night. Weirdly enough, the person I was thinking of was Jason Bateman. Yeah, yeah, that was who I was thinking of. But yeah, I think looking at the pictures you sent us, Matt, of the the two of them side by side, that makes a lot of fucking sense. I mean, because you get you get that thing with Eisenberg, where it's like, young Zuckerberg did have the curly hair. So, because mm. you look at Zuckerberg now, and he's got the the weirdest, straightest android haircut you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, he looks like fucking Data, but weird, but weirder. And and then you look at Eisenberg because it's obviously it's so much, you know, fifteen years ago, whatever mm. it is. Like he looks completely different. But then mm. there's there's quite a famous photo of Zuckerberg like sat in his Harvard hoodie in his room. Yeah, with his laptop because he's yeah he's he's coding away, he's cool, and you see that like oh yeah wow you can really see you can see the they, do, yeah. they don't look alike mm. necessarily but again it's all about capturing the essence it's all about you know yeah similar similar ethnicities similar heritage all that kind of stuff like they're both you know young mm. Jewish guys all that kind of stuff like it totally makes sense. I think Zuckerberg went on record as saying that it's always oh, not accurate, but, but they did get my clothes like everything I ever wore. Yeah, they went through photographs and they got it all pitch perfect. Mm. Well, he's famous for wearing uh, the grey T-shirt, like yes. the grey T-shirt that he always wears. Mm. And there was that fucking thing that went around on Twitter the other day that was like, uh, he's like one of the richest men in the world and he doesn't worry about fashion. So mm. kids, stop eating your avocado toast and buying clothes. Oh, fuck off. And, th and then somebody replied with like, hey, I wrote an article about this in, I think it was in Vice or, or one of the other, like, you know, not the the mainstream media, but one of the offshoots of of <laughs> yes, of course, yeah, controversial media um, things like uh, their Italian designer t shirts that cost like four hundred dollars each. Yeah, and he, yep. sp he spends about a hundred thousand dollars on clothes every year. 
of just yeah. jeans, like Steve Jobs. He does his just jeans and grey yeah. t-shirts and hoodies mm. but forever. design label t-shirts. Oh, wow. Yeah, jeans. but he doesn't wear suits just because he's not wearing a suit. It's like, yeah, shit clothes are really expensive too if you're an asshole. <laughs> you can buy a grey t-shirt for £1.50 from Primark or you mm. can spend $400 on some designer shit from Italy. Like, yeah. What you wear doesn't make you like, oh, he's so humble and cool. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. That's not how that works. Anyway, that was my rant about Zuckerberg's wardrobe. <laughs> part of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Considering that, you know, the flashy suits of um the flashy suits of, of Travis Kalanick is it's like he's he seems to be trying to portray the sort of like, oh look at me, I'm so fucking flashy. I'm like, fuck off. All of you fuck off. But I think again, all three of them. Not only are they interesting pitches that we've come up with, with that being so arrogant and self-serving, um, uh, I we're think really good them... at pitching, guys. I don't <laughs> know if you heard. We, we, we do a podcast about it. <laughs> I, I think all of them are very, very possible contenders. Uber mm. is a very specific one. I'd be interested in But an, an, another uh, tech company could be, or Silicon Valley could be interesting. I'm going to put this out there. I think Tim's is the least likely to get made, but also the most interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out there, kind of interesting, weird. It depends, it, if the company really cool. like collapses within the next few years and oh, then a bunch of like, tell even more juice get written. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's already like a book out there of someone trying to Probably. you know do do the accidental millionaires, but first going to Google <laughs> Uber book. Yeah, right the Uber book. Uber book. Oh, and I don't know what the title. I I, I didn't think of a title, but as we were, you guys were talking about, oh, what what mm. should we call that? I was thinking like could just call mine Uber Mensch. Uber Mensch. <laughs> I think it would be the, like, that's almost the standard. Be that. Yeah, yeah. That is good. That is good. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our three little mini pitches for a sequel to Social Network. Let us know your thoughts if you have any ideas, uh, if you have any tweaks or any thoughts or which one you've preferred or which one you think actually might get made. I'm not going to lie, I think mine's probably the most likely to get made in certain probably. ways because mine's the closest. Because mine's to... from the past. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that, that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't help, Matthew. Yeah, yes, that's your fault. Um, but yeah, let us know. You can hit us up on social media. We are Sequelizers on everything. You can go to Sequelizers at gmail.com is the email address. You can go to Sequelizers.com and find the Discord, find all the podcast links, all the social media links, all that kind of stuff. And also links to our shop and our Patreon as well. So it is a real one-stop shop for all Patreon, shop, Discord, sequelizers kind of stuff. <laughs> it's all you need. If you want to contact me directly on social media, I am JLW Chambers on basically everything. If you want to come and talk about potential social network sequels, or if you have any ideas for future sequels you want to see in the future for more interstices and stuff, hit us up. We're, we're building a list. We we have lists coming out of our asses at this point of <laughs> sequels, true. prequels, interstices stuff, all kinds of stuff. So if you have any suggestions, hit us up, and you never know, it might be in a future episode. Matt. How can I contact you on the internets? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. Dare I say it, social networks. Oh. Said the title of the film and the thing, get it? Fucking hell. You're welcome. <laughs> Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. I'm on Facebook. I oh. use it a lot because I'm a public figure in a oh. weird way. As filmmaking, you have to use it in a weird way. But I don't We talk actually... a lot on Facebook, the three of we us. We do. That's our it's main thing. It's trash, though. It's trash. Or, or WhatsApp, but... owned by Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You can't really just get that shit. <laughs> And uh, I'm most vocal, as it were, on Twitter, I think is the best way to get through it. As mostly true for Not most owned people. by most Facebook. Companies. Yay. Mm -hmm. 
You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheeseman.com to see the things that I make. Fuck the society. Here's my <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Tim, why why aren't you a fucking millionaire, Tim? You you fucker. We're all we're all we're all lazy bastards. He's, apparently, he's yeah. not libertarian enough. That's we're wearing I mean. t-shirts and hoodies. Why aren't yeah. we millionaires? I, Tim? I, I believe in in an actual society, so therefore, you know, I just think capitalism is a prison. Oh, you'll um, never get ahead, Tim. <laughs> I I am on Facebook, but I barely. The only reason I use it basically is to talk to these two mooks. So uh, mm-hmm. Twitter is the best place to contact me. Trivia underscore lad. Um, and uh, that's where I shovel my opinions for them to be harvested by bots and turned into algorithmic <laughs> data. Delicious. We'll be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, with more interseason goodness, a new topic, a new discussion, future Patreon picks from aforementioned executive producers. But until then, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto, macho. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.